Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I return to Gab about the best titles of Free Comic Book Day 2017, the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the first season of the TV show Legion, the first trade of the new Power Man and Iron Fist series, Lazarus by Greg Rucka and Michael Lark, Battle Angel Alita, Last Order by Yukito Kishiro, the Suicide Squad movie, and much, much more in this two-and-a-half-hour episode. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Leave us comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, hello! Hello, how are you? I am, I am fine. I am darn fine. <laughs> I like how you seem uncertain. You're like, I'm fine? I'm fine. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you, Graham. Uh, tell me, tell me, Jeff. Our niece, uh, June, uh, had herself a, uh, the, the school she goes to has this annual walkathon that's kind of like a fundraiser thing where you're okay. supposed to walk around the neighborhood of the school and every time you go through a lab, the kid gets like their t-shirt stamped and I think there's a fundraising component involved. I don't know. There's a ton of kids. Anyway, we did it last year. We did it this year. We did not realize that A, um, that when we were asked to show up and basically be June's chaperone because her parents were each uh, involved in other aspects of the, the event helping out. Because her parents were smarter. Exactly. The what? No, so we did this last year, and you know, uh, June was awesome, and we had had a fun time with her. But she she did like four laps, you know. And um, well, first of all, how long? How big are the laps? Let's see. And this is the crazy part. The the let me cut in front. So what happened was apparently the four laps that she did was quote unquote under par for her class. She's a kindergartner, right? So mm-hmm. this year, as a first grader, she was very driven to make sure that she did the class recommendation, right, for the first graders, which is 10 laps. Graham, these laps are 1K each, supposedly. <laughs> they wanted her to do, and she was, all these first graders were doing 10Ks, you know. They had to walk it, they, you know, or they could run it or whatever. It's like uphill and around. It. We were out walking. She, she did all 10 laps. We were super proud of her. We were walking with her. It took like three hours, three and a half hours, and... And I was kind of a little creeped out in a way. I mean, this is the problem. I'm an old dude, you know, and Edie, just like me, remembers what it was like back when we were in school. Like, in 1976, we, you know, had to participate in the president's program on physical fitness, which was basically they made you go do a bunch of stuff. And I mean, it was like five push-ups, three pull-ups, you know, and you had to maybe run like, I don't know, 25, 30 feet, you know, and like the teachers were sitting there smoking while you, you know, <laughs> while you did it because it was the fucking 70s. No one knew what health was except for a few lunatics. <laughs> no on the one fringe. knew what health was. No one had, it hadn't been invented yet, Graham. <laughs> it really hadn't. Like, that's what the 70s were like. It's your 
you're reminding me. Okay, when you were done telling your story, I will tell you about the runs that we used to go on in my school. But continue with yours. So, so, right. So I'm like, that's my idea of like, yeah, that's fitness. Kids are kids. You know, you get the idea that it's important for them to be fit. You know, that's an idea that they have now and they should have that. But to make a bunch of first graders do like a 10K and kind of shame them if they don't do it. Like, oh, don't get me wrong. They actually, you know, quote unquote, reward you for doing 10K where it's like they give you a medal and stuff like that. But I'm not even sure if what the fundraising aspect was. Like if these kids are getting paid per lap and then they're getting shamed into a whole like if it's a whole lap for school dollars thing. I don't. I do well, if understand. it's anything like the ones around here, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. Okay. That, right. that you agree to sponsor the kids right. per lap. Yeah, right? So yeah. I, that so part of me is like, I don't know. Like it just, once again, in classic true, welcome to America, the land of doing it wrong. We're basically, it's basically child labor all over again. And these kids are being shamed into doing a quarter of a quarter, you know, a quarter marathon in fr- in their fr- in the first grade, you know, like and I, don't I mean remember. that's that's kind of weird. Don't get me wrong, kind of weird. That's unusual. Anyway. Uh, when I was in high school, yeah. So this is not first high grade, school. Obviously. Yeah, this is not first grade, Graham. So tell me this story. But when I was in high school, they used to every year there would be one day where you'd have no classes because you had to go on. Uh, I can't remember what they called it. I think it was called like a because it wasn't even a Death charity march. run. It was just like a run. <laughs> like you had to go on a like, and everyone in the school Logan's did it. Run. All the all the classes stopped, wow. and everyone in the school went in this run. And this run was out of town altogether, and then around this area called the Cut, which was uh like a uh kind of like a nature walk, but a nature walk that is not easy to do. What? Like in the wilderness, and then you'd come back into town, and it would take you all day, like all day. You would start at like nine o'clock in the morning, and you'd get back at like five to do, and everyone had to do it every year. So listen, I've I saw a movie that kind of reminds me of this, so I have to double check. Was there a Wicker Man involved at any point or any kind? <laughs> Of you we would, rituals. You would, uh, there was a there was a halfway point, and at the halfway point, I mean you'd be dying. Yeah. First of all. Yeah. But there would always be for some reason the gym teachers were fucking at the halfway point, mm-hmm. like just sitting there smoking away because again like yeah. this was the seventies. It's like the I guess the late eighties early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Scotland. Right, of course. So might as well. That is healthy living in Scotland. Right. Um, But they would just be like, oh, you should speed up or you're not going to get home in time. And of course, it's like the West Coast of Scotland. So it's probably, like, chances are it is raining. Right. Yeah, of course. And you're freezing. And I, I can't, like, I cannot even remember what the logic behind this was, like how they explained it to you. Or even if it was just one of those, like, this is what you do. I'd be really curious. Like, once a year. But that's what they did. One day a year, every single year, essentially the school would shut, but you'd start off and end this run at the school. Wow. And, and then it's it, all like, and it wouldn't be like the close off traffic or anything. So you have like an entire high school's worth of kids. Wow. Like jogging, I, you know, quasi jogging, 
you know, start you start off sure. Was I jogging? And then midway through, you turn into like really slow, depressed walking. Yeah, of course. And then pretend you jog again right at the end. Um, but like an entire high school's worth of kids doing this. Wow. Right. That's I gotta say that's. I I I'd love to know how long it was because you know to me I'm like it's, I remember it took me a day. I don't know what the distance was. Wow. Wow, I would love to know what the distance is. Cause that, that sounds insane. But you, it wasn't, it wasn't like the other scams being run here where money was being pledged or anything, right? It was no, just. No, it was literally like, it's like, it's the, the Wednesday of the year where, where we close the school and you fucking go for a run. The end. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm firmly convinced that, that your, that your school was being like, Deloused or something. I mean, that's really. That's just it. Like, cancer or something terrible is going on in school. Yeah. I mean, they're like, Mm -hmm. we could have had an in-service, but instead, like, we're, we're making you run. Wow. Wow. Cause you, cause that's the thing. I have no idea what the rest of the teachers were doing. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Did they get the day off? I don't know. Wow. 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 That's an amazing mystery. I have to say. Well, so, yeah. So, anyway, so we did that for the first half of the day. Um, and by the first half, I really mean more than it because we, it took forever. And then it's we 10K. got 10K. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that you need to run, but still. See, this is the terrifying thing is we were running up until about six months ago and then we both got sidelined with various injuries. And so now we're dramatically out of shape. So we came home and basically, uh, I think ate some food and then we went to bed and I only, I only napped for like 45 minutes, but Edie, I think almost she is still asleep. <laughs> she, right. Exactly. She was, she was up like maybe half an hour ago and was like, I have to do something or else I'll just go back to bed. And uh, I was like, well, why not just go back to bed? Cause that's a kind of, that's my idea of a good time on a Saturday night in the first place. So, um, yeah, so it it demolished us, and at a certain point, it was great. We were lying in bed, and I said, "I I, I I've got to get up. I've, I've got to read comic books before the podcast." And she's like, "That's the saddest sentence I've ever heard." <laughs> to be fair, that is the saddest. Also, why didn't you read comic books in bed? Uh, which I, is my favorite place to read comic books. Just saying. You know, uh, I well because. We've got an awesome couch. I basically lie on the couch in the living room and read <laughs> that's comics. Not a, that's not a real answer. Why don't you read comic books in bed? Because we have a great couch. Sure, you could read comics there or in bed. It's, it's hard to explain, Graham. It's hard to explain because I used to also – reading comics in bed used to be the absolute best. And at some point, I I clicked one step closer to death and I just can't do it anymore because the sad fact is – when I'm in bed, it, I can only be there for about ten minutes before my brain is like, "Oh yeah, okay, just go to sleep." Oh no, that's that's me. I've really got like a twenty minute window. Oh, Doesn't okay. matter when I go to bed. Does mm-hmm. not matter what time of the day I go to bed. I can get in bed and twenty minutes, and my brain's like, "So you're sleeping there, right?" Yeah. See, okay. So, all right. Thank God it's not just me. So you're saying your preferred place to read comics is in bed, and your preferred amount of time to read comics for is twenty minutes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I mean, that's not that's not true. It's probably not twenty minutes because I know I know from this week experience that I can get through like a six issue trade. See, in bed. I was about to say this is the part that terrifies me. Of course, is the Graham McMillan reading speed, which I always knew was you know at mutant levels, but it's well, really I, I, terrifying I, to think but, that but you're let's like. Just, let's just be honest. Like most modern trades. You can probably read a six-issue trade in like you half know, an hour. It's funny that you mention this because uh, I got the trade for Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, Volume 1, The Boys Are Back in Town by David That's Walker the, and Sanford yeah, Green. Yeah. yeah, which is admittedly only five issues, uh, not six. Uh, and I swear that read in like record time. And... Part of me, and that's even with me sort of dawdling because Sanford Green is such a, a lovely illustrator love it, yeah. that yeah, it's, it's that you it's really do linger. You know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, this is nice. He's really interesting how much he reminds me of um, Feral Dalrymple's work in a way in terms of just almost like minimal amounts of lines but like maximum character. Like I'm always stunned by how much I'm looking, I looked at the backgrounds in that comic being like, you know, having been in New York a couple of times now and being like, oh yeah, I think, oh, okay, right. So he's doing that area off Chinatown. And I'm like, not only if I, it's just amazing that he conveys something with so much character in, in just a rel in what looks like an incredibly sort of charming dashed off sort of way. And yet it's, it's got it's not just that it's got character, it's got the character of the place he's trying to catch. And uh, it's, that's amazing. And um, I also want to give a shout out for people who who don't know. Um, issue five, David Walker, the the fifth issue, I was really amused because it starts off with, um, it somehow manages to be a double barrel tribute to Akira Kurosawa because the conceit is a bunch of people calling into the Yo Jimbo show to talk to Jimbo, the radio DJ. And <laughs> of his, course, and the his, Yo Jimbo show. Yo That's Jimbo, yeah, genius. clever. His producer is na- her name is is Karasawa, and then everyone that's calling in has a conflicting story about this street fight that happened <laughs> between Luke Cage and this other guy. Uh-oh. So it's actually a tribute. You're yeah. making me feel bad about skipping out in that book after like issue three or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was following along on Unlimited, and, and after like I really was like, this isn't working for me. But that's great. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was really impressed. That was a that was an incredibly charming issue to to end it wrap up on, and kind of made me think like, huh, maybe I'll get back on uh, Unlimited and check it out, uh, check out some of the other issues. So, and this is the other thing that, I don't know, it's as long as we're sort of easing into comic book talk here, uh, is I picked up the trade through Comixology Unlimited because sort of the, I don't, it's weird. I would have thought this was big news, and I saw almost no public reaction to the fact. Marvel being on on Comicsology Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. I got, I shit you not, four different press releases about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Four different press releases. I'm sure. So they were trying to make a big news. Yeah, and it just—I mean, I saw the story every place. It was, but 
I don't know. Maybe this was just the week where people were just tired of comic book news or something. Because I mean, even uh, in the I, early part, of I the think week. It, I think Marvel is is in a. I think Marvel's in such a weird place that people were just like, eh, okay, right, eh, eh, right. Which is, but it's fascinating because for me, as someone who who paid the little extra spot of cash for, I I I really enjoy comics comicsology unlimited for a service. I mean, I honestly have no idea, like on the scale scale of reprehensibility, where it falls. So I, I'm probably you know committing heinous sins by 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 supporting it. But well, what is what is your definition of of um heinousness like you're you mean you don't think that creators are getting royalties or uh i well of course as we know when comiXology unlimited launched what was distressing were the number of creators that appeared not to have been told about it or know that it was coming even on from publishers that were publishing creator creative creator owned books so that was a little, that was a little ghastly, you know, and, and that kind of creeped me out. We've heard from, you know, friend of the por- forecast, uh, Chuck Foreman, um, uh, for which Slasher number one came out the other week officially. And I think Slasher number two just showed up for some of his Patreon supporter types recently. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think that was last week, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know it's on my Kindle going, read me. I know. Yeah, me read too. Me. So read me. Issue two now. Uh I, I he mentioned because end of the fucking world uh, is up through Fanographics for free there, and he he was kind of like yeah it's more it's more of an exposure thing, and I kind of get it. I mean it's a little bit of a library thing, like you know, but I still worry like between between the payment system between there didn't seem to be much of at least initially an opt in system. But, you know, at a certain point with the rest of the industry, with everyone just being quiet, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. After six months, I was in a fit of, oh, I don't know what you could call it, peak, I suppose. I was like, fuck it. Okay, I'll pick up Comixology Unlimited. And, of course, I, I, you don't have it, so you don't know, but this would not surprise you at all, is Valiant, I think, was really smart in seeding a lot of their work there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it really did actually kind of make me – uh, think that it, you know, winners or losers or whatever. I I did kind of feel for Valiant because I feel like Marvel being on there is sort of kind of their their biggest competition. Like the Image stuff, there's a lot of full series out on Image there, including like all of Fatal and wow, just a ridiculous amount of Morning Glories. If if that's what you're into. And, um, <laughs> you know, and that sort of stuff is all very, um, I, I, you're just not competing, you know, with Marvel stuff kind of the same way that Valiant is like, sure. if you're going yeah. for a specific fix, I think, you know, it was it the closest thing you could sort of get to superhero universe, um, uh, across multiple titles in the same way was Valiant. So having Marvel stuff on there was Kind of a big deal, but weirdly, again, uh, the my point is is that because you can actually check out or download a full trade um, from Comicsology Unlimited, it was sort of easier for me to download that Power Man and Iron Fist trade and read it all at a go rather than the Marvel Unlimited style of 
taking 12 issues, downloading them to offline, you know, and then sort of plucking through them one after the other. So. Marvel Unlimited is oh an amazing resource, mm-hmm. an amazing resource, mm-hmm. and especially for me for work, mm-hmm. it's so imagine. great. Yeah, like I, it's it's unspeakably great. Yeah, but as a reading experience, especially for extended runs, Marvel Unlimited is fucking horrible. Why is that? I mean, just it's to big, check, are you you're also you're now reading it on on an iPad, which is a much better experience, which is much better than side loading it onto the Kindle. Yes, yeah. like yeah. the difference. I actually, it's very difficult for me to explain just how much better it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like a very different app, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if only because, like, on the Kindle, you could literally only get three issues, and then you'd have to restart the app. Wow, like yeah. that you just would, mm-hmm. or at least I, I would. Like I would literally have three issues, and then I'd be like opening up fourth issue, like fourth issue, and it would be like loading, 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 cover, the rest is loading. <laughs> loading, page three, loading, and I'd be like, what the fuck? Um, so you know, you get three issues, and then you'd be like, fuck, I've got to restart. Um, and that's not true in the iPad, but. There is no, unless you are reading through one of their comic events, mm-hmm. there's no way if you're reading a crossover mm-hmm. that it will automatically take you to the next chapter, mm-hmm. which is a killer, mm-hmm. especially because so much of Marvel is now a crossover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, ah, I'm reading this X-Men story. What's that continued next factor? Oh, you don't even have fucking have the X-Factor chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, or uh, there's... What is it? And I found this by accident. It wasn't actually something I was meaning to read. Like I just saw it. They have uploaded. I want to say it's X Force Annual One, mm-hmm. which is chapter oh, yeah. four of a crossover. Right. Oh my god. But it doesn't have. It doesn't have the lead story in it. it only has the backups. Mm. And it actually says the lead story. This is not available. Chapters one through three are available in Marvel Unlimited. Wow. They've uploaded the backups from Chapter 4, but not Chapter 4. Wow, that's crazy. That's nuts. Mm. I'd love to know what the thinking is. Like, it's clearly intentional because it actually says that in the description of the issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, honestly, again, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy it as a service. And interestingly enough... um. As the service gets a little bit better, cause, cause honestly, it used to be part of my whole like, ah, you know, the whole method that I described to you, load 12 issues onto, for offline use and then read them at a go kind of thing yeah. is not, is, is really much a leftover from when, when the app used to like time out much more and would freeze up. And it's done that less. I was actually really shocked to recently read through um, two or three issues at a go just by, okay, next issue, next issue, next issue. And that, that, that's, it's kind of getting there. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I would, again, that weird, like, I'd just rather download this digital trade, you know, and it's, well, that, that, that's just it. Like that, that is just a much, better reading experience yeah it's just it's just weirdly cleaner even in the case of this power man and iron fist trade where literally they did not take out the um they didn't take out the want to see what happens next 
you know, really? That's in, that's, that's in the digital trade. In the digital trade. It's in there. That's astounding. Every recap page is in there, despite the fact that the recap is for what you just read and has absolutely no new graphic content or at all. It's just a summary. That's genuinely stunning. And now I'm really curious. Anyone listening to this who has bought the print version of this trade, is that true? Yeah. In the print version as well? I know. I had that same feeling of like, did they just use the Marvel Unlimited issues and just sort of smack them together with the actual, you know, just scan the cover art or whatever and call it done? Like, it's really weird. So it's it's a little, it was, it was slightly low renty as an experience, but... You know, but by the same token, you were just like, well, I just flipped through a couple of pages and now I'm at the story again. But really strange. Like, want to know what happens next? I'm like, why couldn't you take this out of here? Especially because at the end, they've got a gallery of the 57 variant covers that they had. Mm -hmm. Either throughout the course of things or for one issue in particular. And those, they reduce down to four to a page. So it's like the old-fashioned cover gallery. Yeah. And again, I'm like, this is a digital product, man. Just throw, throw us a bone. You're going to reduce them down? I can understand when you got a page count, I guess. But it seems really meager, especially well, when you're leaving in the whole when, page yeah. of – Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. So anyway – Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm, I come both to bury Caesar and to praise him, cause that's the kind of dude I am, I guess. Um, well, yeah. I, I kind of want to, I want to have like the weirdest follow on from this. Good. This week, today in fact, as we're recording, is free comic book day. Mm, that's right. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Diamond got in contact and they go, would you like a copy of all the free comic book day comics? Wow. If you're going to write about it. And at this point, I was like, I'm like, I probably am for somewhere. Mm -hmm. And as it was, I did for Hollywood Reporter. I did like, here's my five favorite free comics from Free Comic Book Day type thing. But they're like, we'll send you digital copies and we'll send you print copies. And I was like, you don't need to send me digital copies if you're sending me print copies. Like, just send me the print copies. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's okay. That's what we'll do. Got to Monday this week and I have nothing. And I emailed them, I'm like, are you still sending me stuff? And they go, we are, but we're going to send you digital ones because a particular publisher who we're not going to name has not given us the digital copy of their thing yet, so we can't send anything out. Uh, and I was like, okay, just whenever you can, because I'm still planning on doing this story. Right. And like, great. And then on Wednesday, they send them. Mm. And then on Thursday, I get the print copies as well because they've overnight shipped them to me. Jesus. The reason I'm telling you the story is for at least three different publishers, mm -hmm. there was a significant difference in content between the PDFs and print copies. Really? Significant difference, like different pages. Wow. Wow. Um, the I'll, – I'll just name names. The Nobro issue – Mm -hmm. Which is like one of my favorite issues. Mm -hmm. The PDF, I think, must have been like a really early mm. mock-up mm -hmm. because the first half of it literally makes no sense. And I'm not joking. Huh. Uh, in the print version, what you get is a two-page story so far. Then you get the excerpt of the Ned's Hilda book. 
in the PDF, you get the last four pages of the previous Hilda book, which ends with To Be Continued. Then you get the first two pages of the next Hilda book, which also ends in To Be Continued. What? And wow. there's no context around it at all. Wow. So as I was reading this, I was like, I don't even know what's going on. And then you see the print version, and you're like, oh, this makes sense. Right. <laughs> and it's really good. Um, but yeah, the, the same was true of other publishers. We're like saying, I, they must, like, the PDFs must have been like really early mock-ups. Or mm-hmm. like, we think we're going to put this in, but we're not sure. Mm-hmm. It was really strange that the, the, there was, I mean, significant difference mm-hmm. in some of these comics mm-hmm. between the final print versions and the PDFs that were being sent out. Well, and you know, it's interesting for me because there was one or two points where I was like, after post-snap, like reading comics where I'm like, oh yeah, it's free comic book day. I should go over to the Comixology site and see what's available, you know, as free comics for free comic book day. But they don't do it on Comixology, do they? Is the whole thing not that it's... Well, of course that it's supposed to drive stuff to the stores, but... I could have sworn, and I, and, and it's, I swear at least one year they had free comic books up on free comic book day, and I, and on another year it was the, like the free comic book day product came out like a week later. Yeah, definitely I remember last year's Marvel came out like a week or two after. Yeah, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they're doing that. And again, before Comixology got bought by, you know, the evil empire that is Amazon, I think when they did free comic book day specials, like they would have the DC books or whatever, they really amp the it's free comic book day here's the store locator kind of thing yeah yeah you know? I, I i seem to remember it used to be definitely more uh you know this this happens more often mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so speaking of i i want to ask did, I, i'm sure you must have seen you must have seen the um spongebob tweet that's going around today i have not i've i've not really been on the internet today Okay, I so I checked. What is, what is SpongeBob? Uh, the SpongeBob tweet. Someone took a picture of that. That's this year's SpongeBob. Comic. It, yeah, this year's is No Charge Funny Book Day, and everyone's yeah. like, "What is it?" And he's like, "Why it's the day all the graphic literature shops provide gratis samples of their wares in a pathetic effort to bolster an industry which has spent the last two decades in a death spiral brought on by a lethal interaction between the lack of variety and a monopolistic distribution system." <laughs> and of course, people are tre- tweeting that like, "Jesus, wow, wow." Yeah, that, yep, yep. That that is this one. Okay, great. I thought I'm like. Way to go, SpongeBob people! For like, well, it's worth remembering that SpongeBob's free comic book day comic is not published by a comic publisher. Oh yeah, it's it's true. published by like Universal or someone. It's published by whoever owns SpongeBob. Right. Yeah. And it's every every because last year's free SpongeBob day comic was fucking amazing as well because they basically bring on like random alternative cartoonists. Yes, that's right. Was that the one with the amazing Starburst appearance or? The- you know, there's been so much awesome stuff actually in the the SpongeBob specials. It kind of makes me wish I've been a little bit I better about following up on it. Two years ago, but yeah, it, it's they they are they're big fans of just like doing completely unexpected shit. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's but that is that is this year's free SpongeBob team. Wow. But oh, has anyone? I I they probably won't. But um, 
the I Hate Image image book is great. <laughs> oh, really? It's um, <laughs> you know why I Hate Fairyland, right? Yeah. It's Gertrude from I Hate Fairyland traveling through other image books to get to the image partners so they can take her out of Fairyland. Wow. And so, like, Bitch Planet and Saga are played relatively straight. Mm-hmm. But, like, then she gets to The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And, like, Carl is making fun of the fact that Rick always uses Carl's name. <laughs> and, like, it just sort of goes from there. Like, and it's, you know, by the time she gets to Spawn... Spawn is like, I really want to recreate this Frank Miller drawing. Can you pro- pretend to be Robin so we can do like we can do the Stark Knight pose? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, do you want to walk us through? Are there highlights and lowlights from the? Uh, so, so, so my five, as as I said to to uh, as as I said to Hollywood Reporter, as if like I talk. <laughs> uh, the Hilda book, the Nobra book, I really really like actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me want to pick up the Hilda comics because there's something about Luke Pearson's work in it that feels very like classic European comics. Hmm. Like it feels like a comic I would have read at the same time as I was reading like Asterix. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like that or, or, or the movements it sort of fits into that mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. school of cartooning or Tintin. Mm-hmm. And it was, I just loved it. I was like, this, this feels weirdly like pure comic cartooning. Uh, and the backup of that is Garbage Night by Jen Lee, which is, I think I described it as, uh, Scooby-Doo meets The Last Man on Earth. No, Bojack, Bojack Horseman meets The Last Man on Earth. That's how I described it. <laughs> because that's what it is. It's a post-apocalyptic thing with like these animals going around who are all kind of losers. Wow. Having, like, like, failing to have gotten out of their shitty town. And being like, oh, there's no food. Oh, well, it's because we live here and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Like, super enjoyable. In an uh-huh. utterly realistic way. Um, the Fans Graphics book is great. It is... How many cartoonists are there? there? There's a bunch. But basically, they got a bunch of their cartoonists doing um, new strips to tie in with their most recent releases. Mm. And it is... I'll go through the, the creator's... Uh, Anya Davidson, uh, Emil Ferris, who does uh, a cutscene from My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Wow. Dax Shaw, Joshua Cotter, Jason, uh, Graham Chaffee, Matt Fury, Richard Sala, Ron Reggie, uh, Eric Haven, Ed Luce, Noah Van Skyver, Tommy Mitsura, Ed Pisker, Simon Hasselman, and Kathy um, Malkazian. Wow. Which is a great lineup. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, really good lineup of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the image book is really good. Drawn and Quarterly did a great anthology of European, actually not European, because because um, uh, Katara was in there as well. But it, international kids comics. Wow. Col- colorful monsters, which is really good. It's Moomins, Kataro, something called Anna and Froga, which I I was not familiar with, and Elise Gravel's If Found, Please Return to Elise Gravel, which is the funniest fucking charming sketchbook, like comic thing that you can imagine wow which is just like really fun dumb doodles <laughs> so like there's an entire you know drawing hedgehogs is fun and relaxing give it a try and you'll see and it's a page of hedgehog drawings <laughs> <laughs> and then the next page is look since i'm incredibly kind of generous i'll share my ultra secret and easy peasy technique with you and it's a four-step guide to drawing hedgehogs <laughs> <laughs> no it's stuff like that which is really funny or uh, a page 
page of grumpy things, and it's literally just, just lots of drawings of things which have grumpy faces on them. Wow. <laughs> it's like, grumpy toilet paper, grumpy peanuts, grumpy kitten, grumpy foods, <laughs> grumpy slice of bread. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, I thought that was like really, uh, charming is one of these like difficult words. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel charming is overused mm. as a compliment, mm-hmm. but it's like, it is an amazingly charming book. Mm. Uh, and then Bad Machinery. They've, they've got a preview of the next Bad Machinery book, which, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for John Allison. Yes. So it's like a preview of the Bad Machinery book. I was like, yep, that. Um, there's, there was a bunch of good stuff. There's a bunch of terrible stuff. Free Comic Book Day always has just, terrible books yeah there's so it's yeah, amazing how much like, crap oh, there is and it's like you know here's our steampunk mad hatter book and you're like right. how how are you how is this a thing how does this actually exist <laughs> um i i tend to say the one i was grumpiest about honestly was secret empire because that's just because i'm in a really bad mood of a secret empire in general mm-hmm. marvel's other comic book day book was guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. and that's actually Really good. That's a really strong issue. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, DC went with a preview of the next Superior Girls book and a reprint of Wonder Woman issue two, mm. which sounds kind of intuitive until you remember it's the first part of the origin story. Ah, I see. And therefore, is actually a really good standalone. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's a really good tie into the film. Hmm. Uh, it works pretty, pretty well for that. Um, but it, it's, it's fine. I mean, there's some, there's some oddities. Dark Horse went with the first Avatar comic book, mm-hmm. by which I mean James Cameron's Avatar. Oh God, really? Uh, I thought I was like, oh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, good idea, no, no, Gene no, Yang. No, yeah, actually, James Cameron's Avatar, the first comic book story featuring James Cameron's Avatar, which is, I mean, staggeringly generic. It'd be staggeringly generic. It's kind of amazing. I was going to say, if you hadn't seen the film, what you'd think about it. But even, even having seen the film, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. nothing to that fucking comic. Mm. Oh, well, I'm sure. I'm kind of sure, actually. I mean, ugh, I don't know. It's so funny because I actually had a moment where I think because Dark Horse has done so many um, reprint volumes of sort of classic licensed comics from the 60s and 70s, I was like, oh, shit, man. I would have loved to have seen Joe Kubert's avatar comic or like russ right? heath you know like you you put some interesting creators in avatar and i'm sure they could come up with good stories yeah but this is like the most inoffensive i was gonna say story it's not a story jeff mm-hmm. it's literally uh whatever sam worthington's character was called uh in his his, his like blue body right going fighting against a man here's a dragon are we gonna work together dragon we are and that's the story. And I'm not joking. Ah, uh, see, at least, at least it didn't go far enough. I mean, does he fuck the dragon? Cause that's the awesome part about Avatar. <laughs> you know, it's like, nope, how's he no. going to bond with this thing? Oh, he's just got to ride it and then he's got to jam so his little the, shaft I, into its. That, no, that's just it. He is literally him writing it. And the last, the last bit is him being like, are you going to be my partner? That's the comic. It's really bad. Mm. I mean, it's really bad. Mm. Um, most interesting and yet I think ultimately unsuccessful comic is Catalyst Prime, which is the Lion Forges trying to do their, their new superhero universe book. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
there are many reasons it doesn't work. And some of them are like fucking simple. You know, for example, don't have your lettering change size halfway through a page. Oh, that, that doesn't sound good. Which happens twice and like makes no sense to me. Mm. I genuinely don't understand why that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, Joe Illich, who's the editor of the line and Chris Priest co-writing. Hmm. And one of the things is as an introductory issue, it's also Chris Priest writing in his, mm. I'm going to be choose a shit form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and additionally, I don't know whether this is Priest's input or both of them were like, this is a great idea. There's no character to empathize with in the entire book. Mm. Everyone is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, as a, as a, as a primer, as a, as a like, jump on here. Why is, why is that a thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, that seems like a terrible idea to me. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's also, there's two, there's two pencilers and their styles don't mesh. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a weird, like, it's a weird comic. And it's a weird comic filled with assholes that is all the setup for a superhero universe where none of the main characters from the other books appear in this book. Hmm. You know? And you're like, the, what is, <laughs> what? There's some daring choices, I have to say. Like, it's, and, and it's, it, you know, it, instead of going, this story continues in these issues, it goes, follow the world's Catalyst Prime, starting with Noble One, on sale now. That's it. Wow. And you're like, you know, I'm not sure I'm gonna pick up Noble One. Yeah, right. Because I don't really, like, I, I don't get the hook. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weirdly obtuse issue for free comic book day. And, and that's, that was my thing for a lot of them. And that actually explains one of the reasons why I really dislike the Secret Empire book. Mm. Um, because if you consider free comic book day as like the book, the, the day that new readers are going to be trying things out and yes. you try and get people engaged. Yeah. I do the Captain America's a Nazi and he is going to defeat all the superheroes. In a way that we're not going to attempt to explain, and because it's An- Andrea Sorrentino doing the art, you also can't read the page. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, this is amazingly well designed, but he can't tell a story for his fucking life. Yeah. And when your last page, or your second last page is, mysterious things are happening. You need someone who can say that, otherwise you're like, I don't, I literally have no idea what's going on. Right. Do we two read, oh wait, so the vision's meant to be disappearing? <laughs> You know, like, it's like that. Wow. That's especially rough because that's a character known for being able to turn, like, intangible. So, like, you've really got to spell that out somehow, I would think. Yeah. And wow. it's, it's, it's funny. So I, I, because I got that, um, in the mail as a hard copy on Thursday, I also got on Thursday, uh, from Marvel hard copies of Secret Empire Zero and Secret Empire One. Mm-hmm. Which I, it's kind of annoying because I'd actually paid money for them. <laughs> for additional copies. Then I get, I was like, oh, I'm getting comps of this. I wish they had told me. Mm-hmm. I could have saved myself $10. Right. You know, so, thanks Marvel for really keeping me in the loop in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know what? I've got three issues of Secret Empire now. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a, uh, an 11 issue series. If you factor in the free comic book issue. 
So I've got eleven. I've got three issues. I'm more than a quarter of the way through the series now. I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to read these three as a oneer, and I'm going to see how I feel about it because mm-hmm. I've been negative about this. I've not been getting it, but maybe if I read them in a oneer, I'll feel <laughs> different. Now, be honest, Graham. Part of you was also like, I suspect if I read the three of these as a oneer, it's going to come off as like a massively confused piece of crap, right? Weren't you sort of thinking like that would be an interesting? No, experiment? here's the thing. I I didn't think it would come off as a massively confused piece of crap because I knew there's massive, massive problems with the narrative already. Mm-hmm. Like I went in knowing I was like, this is not going to surprise me. That strangely enough, the the holes aren't going to be filled in when I get this. Right. What I was thinking was, there's a massive time jump between issue zero and issue one, maybe, hmm. because they don't make it clear, but there kind of has to be. Because if there's not, then uh, you've not re- you've not been reading this comic, have you? No, I mean I got which was the one that came in my collector's pack? That was issue zero, right? That was issue zero, right? Because issue one only came out this week, right? So and that and that's the one where Cap's like ha ha and puts up the defense shield and fucks all those people. That's out that's space. issue that, that's issue zero, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's the one I've read, and I didn't so that, bother okay. with anything else. So that's so that's where that ends. Okay, issue yeah. one begins with a school which is now teaching the Hydra version of history, and then cuts to uh, I'm guessing it's Grand Central Station, some train station anyway, and you see the Hydra has taken control of everything. Mm-hmm. And not only is Hydra taking control of everything, everything's just been renamed Hydra, but people are perfectly fine with it. Mm. Which is why I'm like, there has to be a time jump. Because otherwise, everyone's really okay with the country having been taken over. Right. Like, really okay. Mm-hmm. To the mm-hmm. point where, like, everyone is, you know, for want of a better way of putting it, everyone's a collaborator. Right. Oof. Which is, it's a time jump, or like they fucking use the Cosmic Cube or something. But right. we know they've not used the Cosmic Cube because that's a plot point in the story. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you're like, there must be a time jump. There has to be. It's never addressed. Wow. It's just not. Right? The issue, the free comic book issue takes place between the issues. Mm-hmm. Also, one, by the way, you see Hydra's Avengers, which includes the original Thor, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. And Deadpool, but you like, you can always write that off as like, Deadpool's nuts! Hey. Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely, right. Uh, but like, Scarlet Witch, Vision, and the original Thor are part of Hydra's Avengers. So again, I was like, something must have happened. Right. Right? Yeah. Cause how did this happen? What's right. going on? Mm-hmm. Free Comic Book Day issue shows that what happens is, Captain America comes down and is like, hey, you guys, I'm Hydra. And all the superheroes are like, what? And then the Vision and Scarlet Witch go, something is going on. Vision disappears. Scarlet Witch basically explodes. That's it. That's it for the explanation. (laughs) (laughs) And then in issue one, they're running around being all... Being all Hydra-ish. Hydra-y, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, like this, like, narratively, this makes no sense. This is a disaster. (laughs) What the fuck is this? Um, but it's, it's, but, okay, so reading them all, th- all three at a time does help some things. Reading issue one, I was like, I don't get this. If America's been taken over, why is no other country doing anything? Right. Like, what, cause, cause you get the traditional, um, there's a resistance that's being led by Black Widow and Hawkeye because of fucking course it is. Um, uh, and I was like, okay, so there's a resistance. So 
like if it's if this is just happening in America, which I seem to remember said in a line of dialogue somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why is no other country doing it? Like, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And then I read issue zero, and issue zero has a line that's like, "We'll nuke you if you do." Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the other countries, we will nuke you if you do anything. Right. Which again, I don't really buy in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that no other country has tried anything anyway. <laughs> Seems nuts. Do you know what I mean? Like, even people who aren't official representatives of the country. Mm-hmm. You're telling me no one's trying to do anything? That makes no sense. Like, that, that just, I don't, I don't buy it. I just do not buy it. Um, but, I was like, okay, so that, that kind of, like, they're trying to explain it. They're trying to acknowledge it. But like, th- 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 there's a time jump or not. I have no idea. Have they brainwashed the country or not? I mean, I guess they haven't because there's a resistance. Mm-hmm. You know what is what is actually happening in this comic? I don't know. Right. Like I know what I know what they want to happen. Mm-hmm. I know that they kind of want to just overlook this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you read all three, like it's it becomes really obvious mm-hmm. because in a three issue span, there are massive gaps between each issue. Wow. None of, n- none of the issues flow into each other. Mm. And the fact that three the three are illustrated by massively different artists emphasizes that. Yeah, for sure. Who who does the who does issue one of uh, uh, Steve, Steve McNiven in an astoundingly un-Steve McNiven-y performance? Really? Honestly, huh. honestly halfway through, I was like, "This looks like Barry Kitson." <laughs> uh, you know, that could that could. That, I could see where that might be interesting. The thing that's tough is I have to literally when I was like. Ah, Secret Empire number one. I really, the big draw in my head was like, you know, that Akuna really does draw some pretty pictures. Nope. He's, he's, he's gone. Wow. Wow. That's but I think, be... I think that's the plan. I think the plan is genuinely like to have a different artists in each issue. Really? Or to rotate them or something. Definitely, definitely the plan is that there's going to be no like coherent art team. I see. I see. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess in a way that's because they really can't afford to do their little, oh, we're going to be shipping late, teehee shenanigans, I guess. Although if they do do it this time around, you'll be like, oh, come on, guys. You don't even have the same consistent art team. We know you're just shitting with us now. Well, it's so funny because one of the things that Marvel has promised retailers is like, this definitely will end in August. (laughs) Definitely. And you can kind of see why from Marvel's point of view, though, because two events running mm-hmm. have ended up hideously delayed, mm-hmm. adding an extra issue because the writer hasn't finished the story and the issues are allotted. Yeah. And overlapping with the relaunch it's supposed to launch. Yeah, exactly. Two in a row. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. if you're Marvel, you too would be like, fucking, how many artists do we need in this book? Fine, all of them. Put all of the artists in this comic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Although I heard I heard an amazing rumor about Secret Empire. Oh yeah, which is what? Uh, so you know, like I said, it's eleven issues. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was supposed to be or planned to be like fourteen or fifteen. Really? Uh, and then, like, they were like, "No, we, we've just got to, we've just got to cut it." Mm. And that's why, first of all, you have like a zero and a free comic book day issue, mm-hmm. but also, um, apparently, that's why you have all the one shots. 
Because the one I, – I tweeted this yesterday. The one-shots for events Marvel used to be advertised as basically like all the stories in the main series. Right. And the one-shots are additional. Right. And Uprising is now being advertised as an essential chapter of the story. Integral, crucial chapter. Wow. Which is nuts to me. Mm-hmm. That they're like, it's crucial, but it's not in the main series. Mm. You have to read this comic to understand the story, but it's not in the main series. Oh, Marvel. Oh, Marvel. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. Wow. Well, I have to say, I guess I'm glad I'm not paying attention to that event. So. I, 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 so something else, and I will not say what this is, but I will, I will leave it vague for people who, who don't want to be spoiled. Um, Marvel released issues two and three to retailers this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get them excited. <laughs> Marvel has said that there is something that happens in issue two that will blow up the internet. Mm-hmm. I know what that thing is mm-hmm. now, because uh, basically you can't trust retailers not to tell people. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it might blow up the internet, but not in the way they think it will. Yeah, not not in the good like oh our brains. Um, it's I'm trying to think of how vague I can be while I, I this is what I say. I laughed out loud when I found out what it was. Mm-hmm. The other people I know who know mm-hmm. also laughed out loud, and all of us are laughing out loud because it is, it's a moment where you're like, oh, this is a massive troll. Like, this whole storyline is a massive trolling. And they're going, to, Marvel are going to think that they are so smart for it. And it's an amazingly bad idea. Huh. Interesting. So, right, well, because I forget the whole Captain America wielding Thor's hammer uh, as just, that was, was that, was that the free comic book day trolling or was that? Yes, the, yes, okay. that's, that's, that's the free comic book day trolling. Okay. Um, which, of course, not followed up on in issue one, because why would you? <laughs> why, why would you? Why would you have a cliffhanger and then, you know, follow Ignore up on it. Yeah. Why would you do that? Wow. And And I should also say. The issue two cliffhanger apparently is not followed up on in issue three. Are you serious? That, yeah, that's the way that they're they're doing these. Um, they're apparently doing these books. That you there is incoherently there is, like what are you talking massive, about? There is a massive thing that ends issue two, mm-hmm. and apparently it is not explained in issue three. And it is it is something that immediately makes you go, but how? Right, and then apparently issue three just completely does not explain it. That does not sound. I forget. Is is Secret Empire like weekly? It's not, is it? It's like a it's it's like it's super bi-weekly. weird. It's like three. It's three issues a month for the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to two issues a month, and except I think there's a month where there's just one issue. Like it's super fucking weird. Good Christ! Let's just call it regular. Wow! Wow! So this thing's still being, it's gonna, it's gonna be coming out for months though, right? It's like. It's coming, it started, it started in April and it's coming out until August. Wow. Jesus. That is, that is a long time to dump an event that, um, is controversial to say the least, uh, out onto the stands. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well. Uh, huh. I, I, I wanted to just tell you what the thing is, but you'd have to cut out of the podcast because I genuinely don't want to spoil it for people. Right. And I don't want you to spoil it for people 
either. Um, but of course, I, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just say this for people listening. You will know exactly what I'm talking about when issue two comes out. And chances are you two will have exactly the same reaction I'm talking about. Hmm. And also, because it's the internet, I'm sure this is probably out there already. Hmm. If you, if you really want to go and look. Interesting. Well, I will tell you this for free, Graham McMillan. This is not a spoiler for anyone. But, uh, in fact, this is what's technically known as a digression or change of subject. Uh, but my zero, I was, last time you and I spoke, um, I talked about Secret Empire issue zero. And, um, cause I'd gotten it as part of my little Marvel Collector Core box. And I was yeah. very surprised slash bemused to discover that, uh, even though Marvel I thought had reversed course on the dig- whole digital issue pack-in thing, sure enough, the issue of Secret Empire issue zero did not have an issue, did not have a link to the digital issue, thus making it difficult for me to take screenshots as I would have loved. But it, it, issue issue one does. Issue oh, one actually okay. has a, a whole page that says same issue digital codes are back, exclamation point. Yeah, okay. Well, that's pretty funny because weirdly enough, the three issues that uh, uh, it linked to, I was like, okay, I'll download those and read them. Invincible. Oh, and I, I'm going to look where they are. Uh, they're Invincible Iron Man issue six, Cage issue number one, and Mockingbird. Oh, Mock- Mockingbird yeah. issue six. And I gotta say, I ended up reading the three of those, and the one that kind of made me go, "Huh, what's all this?" was uh Mockingbird issue six. And so I read issues seven and eight on ye oldie uh Marvel Unlimited because literally they they ended up uploading issue eight that week. And so it's a little perverse on Marvel's end that they have like a link of their three three titles. Like one of them is for a book that it was literally the final arc and got you know almost prematurely canned. And I, but it did work. I was like, this is really kind of interesting and engaging and fun in a weird like. It's so ironic that you have sort of the same way that you're, you have pointed out repeatedly that Fractions Hawkeye is not the Hawkeye that's been around for a bajillion years. Uh, it's sort of amusing that his ex-wife gets a, uh, solo book where that is not the Mockingbird that I am familiar with in any way, but. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it's also not a bad book. No, it's actually incredibly fun. Um, very, it's, it's like a humor book. I mean, cause issues six through eight are, uh, Bobby Chase being, inv- uh, invited on sort of a, a nerd cruise, you know, mm-hmm. and dealing with cosplayers. And there's a couple of an, annoying famous on the internet, uh, cameos. But mainly it's just sort of a weird take on a murder mystery that really feels just like a – it's like a goofy show. Like it, it's yeah, almost like it's, moonlighting the comic book I guess or it, something. It's interesting you say that because the first arc I would say is is very different in tone. Oh, like okay. there's, there's, there's a very – for me, a very Fraction-esque sense of humor at play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also much more, um, 
not even necessarily like fucking with the medium as much as like it, the, the first couple of issues especially are particularly disorienting. Mm-hmm. And the implication is like we will explain it if you stay with us, but you have to stay with us, and we are intentionally being obtuse. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to make you work for this comic, hmm. and that's not necessarily a, uh, a bad thing, right? I mean, it was it, to be honest, it was a bad thing for me. <laughs> um, oh, just because I was like, I, I'm not that invested in I, anything it, to do with the it, comic. It's like, a bit so of a gambit for reading. the first yeah, arc, exactly. yeah. You yeah, know? I was like, there's so many other things I'm reading that you're like, I might come back to this or I might not. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it's you know ballsy as shit, mm-hmm. and definitely, I mean, Mockingbird people loved Mockingbird. Yeah, well, and I I kind of see it because issues six through eight really was pretty ballsy as shit. I mean, eight is the one as you know which has a pretty significant retcon to Englehart's West Coast Avengers. Stuff. No, tell me. Oh, okay. So issues issues six and seven are uh, Bobby's been invited. I can't even remember if it's an anonymous invite that invites her and pays for her to go on this cruise. Uh, but then somebody ends up dead in kind of a locked room mystery, and she's there investigating it with like a bohunk FBI agent that. You know, sort of wants to sleep with her and stuff. And uh, wait, wait, isn't the guy? And this is one of those things that you be like, I have no idea. But isn't it the character that she's paired with in the Agents of Shield show? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. I because I, I think it is. I, I think it's one so, of those. Yeah. Okay, that things, makes sense. Like Last Hunter sort of or like, someone like that. Yeah, sort of. Like, like it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just got that name yeah. where I'm just like, okay, this seems like a parody character. I don't, I don't really care. The. The locked room murder mystery and the person who's invited them and et cetera, et cetera, is, uh, it's, it's basically Carter Slade, the Knight Rider, who is, uh, able to possess the body of anyone in his bloodline. So he's able yes. to reappear in modern times. And yeah, so. Yeah, which is, uh, which is a thing that's been around for a while. Right, exactly. So that's not new. But what it was, and of course, I'm like, ah, oh, I've read this, like, this is, this was an issue that I read actually right before we last talked. So now my memory is toast. But essentially what happens is, is she refers to, to Slade as her ex. And so in other words, instead of Bobby being, um, drugged and, coerced into having sex with Slade against her will and then killing him later and all this stuff. It's actually the, the revisionist take is, is that she cheated on Hawkeye quite consciously with Carter Slade back when he was the Knight Rider. And then of course, because he was a crazy, lousy, stalkery, abusery um, guy she dumped him. Of course, it ended up wrecking her marriage, but he's continued to be a weird, a weirdo stalker ever since. So a lot I am of it, surprisingly unhappy about that. No, I get it. I totally get it. It is, it is kind of, you know, part of me is like, that's not cool. Like it kind of, of course, it takes a lot of the, um, Sting out of it, I guess, so to speak. Let's see if I've still got that issue downloaded on on Unlimited, and I can. Because that's a that's a fairly drastic retcon. Yeah, 
Tell me about it, right? Uh, let's see here. Okay. And that's significantly, I mean, I can see the people be like, well, that restores Bobby's yes, sense e- of agency. Exactly. But at the same time, it significantly changes her character arc. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. They've got couples counseling, um, like on the first page, uh, uh, Hawkeye and Bobby are in couples counseling back in Paris. And he, she's like, he's, She's, she starts off by saying, he's always judging me. He says I load the dishwasher wrong, that I hog the blankets, that my costume shows too much lie. And he, and hot, and Clint says, you murdered man in cold blood, Bobby. See? There. That's what I'm talking about, she replies. He's like, you killed someone. She says, he's exaggerating. You let that ghost cowboy fall to his death. That's negligent homicide. You might as well have pushed him off that cliff yourself. You can't even bring yourself to say his name, can you? She replies. He says, Lincoln Slade, the Phantom Rider, you murdered him. Don't be silly, darling, she says. Phantoms can't be killed. And he says, I can't do this anymore, and gets off off the couch and leaves. And she's like, he'll be back. And then many years and roughly one divorce later is the next caption. Is there in the Bermuda Triangle and, you know, she's talking about the Phantom Rider. She's like, meet my stalker, the Phantom Rider. I've had my share of kinky, hinky exes. Oh, it's interesting. She didn't say kinky exes. There's a shot of Kazar and then there's one of the Phantom Rider and it's like, woman, you will make me dinner. The Phantom Rider commands it. Do you hear me, woman? Woman? And she's, the caption is, Phantom Rider was the hinkiest. Um, so let's see. Where's that? So this is ties into Civil War too because Phantom Rider's like, you know, I've seen your, your husband's Ex-husband's true colors, woman. He murdered Bruce Banner. He called you a killer. He divorced you for what you did. His hypocrisy must cut you like a knife. Tell me, does it hurt? And she says, you know what hurts? That you think you can actually win me back with this shit, you anachronistic piece of crap. Now take your hand off my ass. And he says, your ex-husband is on trial for murdering the Hulk. If I were you, I'd avoid calling attention to myself. So she basically summons the power of nerds and then uh, they fight Slade. <laughs> Let's see if they explain later if there's a great little flow chart, which is the great cowboy stalker X plan flow chart, which, it, which is really actually very funny. Um, ghost pirates are involved. They end up chastising Knight Rider because, of course, he summons them. And uh, they're just like, you know, she's he says to them, you can murder everyone but her. And they're like, that's horrible. Not cool, man. I'm really uncomfortable with that plan. And and he says, you're pirates. And one of the ghost pirates says, way to engage in stereotypes. And one of them's like, we're progressive feminists. Let's get out of here, Earl. And they leave. So it's all, <laughs> I mean, it's all an incredible, you know, Piss take. And so the the page that comes as the big retcon is uh, the ghost night writer's given up on trying to fight her and is now just sort of sulking. And he's like, you say you don't care about me, but we both know that's a lie. And she says, Clint didn't divorce me because he thought I murdered you. He divorced me because I cheated on him. He told himself that you drugged me, taken, taken advantage of me, but he never truly believed it. It's too ridiculous. He knows that I've always made my own decisions and that I'll live with the consequences. Clinton and I are a lot alike that way. And the Knight Rider says, like, we're over, you and me, for good. And then 
basically uh then ends up to be try tries the douche like if i if i can't have you no one can maneuver but then he ends up dying she ends up living saved by yes a bunch of uh mare corgis because corgis are a thing in this book basically (laughs) of course so that's pretty much the the retcon the retcon is her basically saying that's a weird retcon yeah yeah it's kind of tough and again for us as some Englehart dudes i was like like you said i kind of have some feelings about it because it's not i don't know i guess part of it is is like it's not really a he said she said thing that actually sort of happened it's kind of weird that you're going to acknowledge this much continuity and then kind of be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that little scene, that didn't happen that way. You know, it was just kind of like, huh. And also just kind of the idea that, so you're basically positing that Bobby did decide to go back in time willingly, thus starting the whole time quest and then willingly cheated on Hawkeye. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it becomes a really weird thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, why as well? Because yeah. before that, I, I might be misremembering, but was their relationship not portrayed as like amazingly happy? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, they're, they're, uh, that's it. Like, they're they're like it's, of... it's the weirdest retcon yeah. of like, when does your retcon start then? Yeah, right. Like, why does she go back in time with Knight Rider if he right. doesn't? Well, that's not true. She doesn't go back in time. He keeps her there. In the Engelhart Oh, story. that's it. Well, right. the they're about to go back, back and then, then yes. he grabs her. Sorry. Yes, exactly. And then they so go theoretically, back. Theoretically, like, you could write in a, like, she ends up staying there for some other reason and then they end up having an affair. Right. Like, you technically do that. Sure. Sure. But it's, it's a weird one. I don't know. It's, it's, that's a, that's a really odd retcon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, it's so weird that you didn't point. know about it, of course, in a way. No, I'm yeah. Like... But, but at this point, well, the funny thing is, like, it sounds really familiar to me, but I definitely didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, who even remembers that plot now? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the weirdest thing to, like, bring back a plot that most people don't remember. Mm-hmm. And then go, but it's not that. Well, like, I, uh, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, Chelsea Kane did like her due diligence and read like all of Mockingbird's previous stuff and, and I think was kind of back when this, this book was kind of an ongoing thing was sort of like, oh, this will be kind of a fun way to, you know, uh, return Bobby's agency and also because the twi- the, there is a locked room mystery on it and the the idea is is that um you know the person who killed themselves was also a a descendant of Carter Slade and therefore you know uh Knight Rider was able to take it, possession of the person have them kill themselves as a way to i forget draw Bobby's attention or get her involved yeah. or whatever you know which is actually kind of a great idea yeah i mean that exactly and so i think you know, as someone who like does the reading of the continuity and for whom it doesn't mean anything, I think there was kind of like a, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is sort of a, a fun way to do this kind of story with a clever twist on it. 
And I'm also going to be able to address this little character part in a way that's, you know, important to me. But again, there's a real weird, um, it's, it's, it's kind of strangely picayune. Like it, it does remind me of the way that some of the, the, the writers in, that were brought into new Marvel under, uh, Jameis and Casada, you know, who clearly didn't have much love for the Marvel characters per se, but were relatively diligent or not. They would either just be like, okay, I'm going to tell this story in which, you know, Wolverine like picks a fight with, I don't know, put, put in the name of the character for whom that would never happen. If there is such a character, you know, it's like, yeah, this no, is, no, this but is you, you'd get like, you know, Wolverine all of a sudden has a long standing grudge that we've never told you about with the shroud. Right. Exactly. That has gone on for years. And you're like, huh? And, and it's, it's a little, it's a little bit of that. Or a little bit of the people who are kind of like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I, I read these issues. I happen to know that the Hulk and Wolverine fight all the time. So here's an important issue where the two of them fight <laughs> tooth decay together or, you know. Oh, I, I honestly thought you were going to make a joke about Damon Lindelof's ultimate Wolverine versus oh, the yeah, Hulk. Right. Exactly. Oh, my God. Why didn't I go there? I'm I'm going to show a fight between the two of them that's going to take nine and a half years to actually get collected so uh, but also don't forget it starts with like is is it wolverine getting ripped in half yeah wolverine gets ripped in half on like page like three yeah. or something yeah uh, and then the, there might be a flashback of like here's how it led up to this the hulk was like banging lots of women in nepal i climbed up a cliff and then the issue ended, David Lindelof had to go over and take over Lost, and we never saw an issue for the next three and a half years. Enjoy. I, you hilariously have just reminded me how much I hate Ultima Hulk. <laughs> yeah, Ultimate Hulk. No, I was just like, I just remembered I fucking hate Ultima Hulk. Yeah, yeah, Ultimate Hulk was really terrible. It, it, it I, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy that, that out of all the stuff of, uh, the Ultimates that got carried over to the Avengers movie, Making Hulk like the Hulk was actually a, a very smart choice. So, yeah, 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 not not doing, not allowing. For, actually, it has to be said for all that you know, quote unquote, Avengers pulled from Ultimates. The characterization is not really much of it. Maybe Hawkeye's. Uh, yeah, I think it, right. It's not Ultimate Cap. Right. I mean, it's kind of Ultimate. Tony Stark? It kinda is. I think it, it kind of is. But it's, it's definitely an ultimate Thor or Ultimate Hulk. Well, or, like, ah, okay, they look, uh, they look like one another. And I think that Ultimate Thor, by not having any Don Blakeness, I mean, they took out some of the... No, because Ultimate, I, I'm, I, it's been many years since I read Ultimate. No, no, so no, I, can, no, I know, but Ultimate Thor but, is but like an... I'll have a super weird, like, you know, Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm a god or maybe I'm a weird Norwegian stoner. Am I misremembering that? No, 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 no. There's that because he's also kind of, remember, he's like a crazy Norwegian uh, conservationist or something. Yeah. And, then, and then they they turn him into this thing of like, he has all this belief in the Norse gods and everyone's like, oh, yeah, but you're actually kind of a lunatic and blah, 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 you know. So, yeah, no, they they do it both ways. And admittedly, they don't do that in the Thor movies, thank God. 
but there's enough of the yeah we're not even going to fuck with the the whole don blake bullshit you know that is yeah. very much kind of like thor is thor and thor is uh for the most part relatively um sanguine for the most part yeah you know i so. i this this actually brings to mind something else i want to talk to you about this mm-hmm. week i'm guessing you haven't seen guardians of the galaxy 2 i have not have you did you did you get a little yeah, press screening oh look no, at I, you I, no, I, no i just went to see it on, oh, on oh thursday really night. on thursday night oh shoot. Yeah. Okay. I, it's it's playing at the theater right around the corner from yes, the house. right i mean it's one of those like well, I I would be I would be bad if I was like yeah this thing that I'm writing about a lot I'm not going to go and see it the first night even though it's literally less than five blocks from my house. That's so funny because yeah. because Guardians is I think about ten blocks away from my house thanks to the Alamo Draft House and I was like we'll get around to it you know well, <laughs> but of course I don't saying, have to write for it so like, that helps. Did you like the first one? You know I thought the first one was like this. Um, brightly colored uh balloon that leaks so in the beginning it seems incredibly full and exciting and bright and by the end it seems limp and ragged and and blowsy i suppose so, so part basically, of... imagine that with kurt russell that's the second one well, it's, and so that's kind of it for me. I sort of, I sort of really thought that the parts that I enjoyed of, my one hope was that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 would sort of take the, I guess the goofier, wackier stuff and figure out a way to kind of inflate that and jazz it up and hopefully do new things so it wasn't just kind of a, a redo of all the jokes from the first movie, but sort of longer, I suppose. Uh, I, I would actually argue that's exactly what it is. See, Guardians that, that was my me, worry. Mm-hmm. Felt very much like it's Guardians One, but with more jokes yeah. and less of a story. Right. Well, and that is my other worry. Was like the the story on the first one was uh, flimsy to like be generous i think you know Uh, guardians Guardians 2 feels very very much like james gunn has somehow worked out a way that he could fire his therapist and then just make this movie to deal with his daddy issues uh like holy shit is the most like hilariously blunt and also amazingly bland uh i have unfinished issues with my father film ever ever made well, I gotta uh, say that's there's a lot of films in the in the Western canon certainly that it's competing. Oh, with, so. oh, Jeff, just wait, <laughs> just wait for the Daddy issues on show in Guardians of the Galaxy two. Really? Um, but it's 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 uh, it's one of those films where you watch and you're like, I'm like, this film's great while I'm watching it, and then you walk out and you're like, I'm sure there was a plot to that film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't remember it, but like there had to, like something had to have happened, right? Um. Anyway, what I was going to say is, I'm kind of fascinated by the fact that Marvel Studios movies, for the most part, like actually pay attention to the comic book roots of the character, mm-hmm. right? Apart from the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like we okay, we've got his name, we're going to wipe everything else out. So you have for Ego the Living Planet, or you mean other characters? Because I mean, I remember thinking that about. Uh... Can, can I can I relatively spoil you? Yeah, by all means. 
Um, yes, we'll put a little warning in the show notes, but yeah. The original Guardians of the Galaxy show up in this film, and there is nothing connecting them to the comic book versions apart from their names. Wow, really? Yeah. Because, oh, I mean, you know this from the first one. Yondu is in the first one. Yes, absolutely, and it's absolutely nothing like Yondu of the originals, right? Well, let me just say something, Jeff. Sylvester Stallone plays Starhawk. <laughs> I knew Stallone had a cameo, but I had no idea. That's it's Starhawk, Jeff. Oh my god! Well, but of course I, I, they are. Yeah. Think about Starhawk in the comics, and think about Sylvester Stallone. Yes. No, I, I know. Think, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ego is. Ego is pretty much nothing like the comic book version. And when I say that, I mean, like, entirely. Uh, there is one shot of a planet with a face on it. Mm-hmm. And one that's shot. It. That's it. That bums me out so much. Because I really had hoped, you know, there was that one point where someone took a picture of Kurt Russell and compared it to The Gardener. And was kind of like, uh? Uh? And I was like, oh, holy shit, that would be great if it was a fake out. And Kurt Russell was the gardener. But, eh, you know. But no. But no. Uh, and, it, of yeah, course, it, I, I, it, it literally it, is. It yeah. literally is. And also, uh, you get Drax's backstory, kind of. And Drax's mm-hmm. backstory is nothing like the comic book Drax's backstory at all. Well, of course. Because Drax was, like, in the first movie, you know, the whole planet of people who took things yeah. literally or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's the opposite of this Drax. And Gam- Gamora, of course, is has a completely different relationship to Thanos, considering there's all the other daughters of Thanos in there as well or whatever. So, And also, in one of the credit sequences, because there are four fucking credit sequences. Holy in shit, wow. One of them sets up Guardians 3 mm-hmm. with the tease of a character that everyone has been waiting for mm-hmm. in the movies. Okay, um, I'm being sarcastic. But no, I'm being serious. Like everyone, probably everyone who knows the comics has been waiting for this character to show up. Not show up in Guardians Three, but has been waiting for this character to show up. Yeah. Um, and this character's origin is now drastically different from is, their comic book origin. Is, is this Adam like, Warlock? Then is that spoiling stuff, or is it, I'm guessing I'm uh, totally I, wrong. I know you're right. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, huh. Interesting. And Adam, Adam Morlock's origin is now, uh, he's created by an alien race. Oh, wow. Really? Right? Uh, yeah. So you have, you also get Mantis's, or Mantis is in, in Guardians 2. Yes. And Mantis's origin is that she's always an alien. Mm hmm. Yeah. The look of her, I was like, yeah, they've totally. They're gonna, yeah, yeah. Guardians is is interesting to me because it is clearly because the first movie did have that with the Nova Corps and everything. It was just like take this stuff and and yeah, ignore the origins. And it's amazing to see that continue to happen. Wow, wow. It, but it's fascinating to me because Gunn clearly knows his shit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Gunn, I would say more than any other movie maker at Marvel. Knows and loves the source material, well, which makes it all the more interesting to me that he changes it so drastically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I it's interesting because I I do wonder how much of that is is either mandated or of the time, or is even the sort of how are you going to get 
the character into the story sort of as conveniently as possible. Like knowing that Mantis was going to be in, in GOG, GOTG volume two, I was like, well, clearly they're not going to stick with that first origin because it would take forever just to get to yeah. the point to get her into space. You know, like, it just you, know what's you know, it's hilarious and tragic though. Mm -hmm. Mantis is now an alien, but she is pretty much as much of an offensive, like Asian, me love you long time stereotype oh, as no. you can get. Really? Oh God! She is like the innocent. Uh, you know, I don't really understand people. What if I lay my hands on you inappropriately? Right. Hey. <laughs> Which is just like, my God! <laughs> you, you like you took away the terrible offensive part of her comic book origin, but kept the terrible offensive part of her character. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So are you, so you're saying that you liked it, you enjoyed it, you had fun while it was going, and then the incident yeah, was that's over. exactly it. I had fun while it was going, mm -hmm. and then afterwards I was like, oh, okay. But it, but you know, I I laughed. Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. I laughed. At no point was I like, I'm really engaged in the story, mm -hmm. because it's just not that type of film, right? You know. And all the emotional beats didn't land for me. Hmm. But I think, I honestly think part of that is, like, I don't have the relationship with my dad that, you know, <laughs> gone clearly. I'm not joking, Jeff. This film is a film for people who thought that their dads never loved them. Huh. And that realized that their father, like, that, you know, their family was there all along, but it wasn't who they thought their family was. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like that sort of film. Mm. And in, and they laid on thick, mm -hmm. really, you know, not wanting to literally give the the plot away, but it is difficult to imagine a way that this film could have laid on the the true people that love me or my family that I've built around myself thing any thicker than they have. Hmm. Like it's 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 amazingly sentimental in that respect, but. You know, I'm sure there's lots of people for that. That's going to make a lot, mean a lot for you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny and it's it's. I was going to say it's fast moving. That's completely not true. The, the act two is molasses long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Act two is, is a is really a, an astounding drag and also amazingly overcomplicated. Like there's there's ways to have done what they did in a much faster way. Doesn't that seem like kind of how movies handle their act two now though? Like act twos are usually a slog on blockbuster films and now what they do is they just kind of clutter it up with stuff that is needlessly complicated to, to uh, basically distract you from the fact that they're kind of things are dragging and they have to have their big set piece, you know, their big mega budgetary set pieces for the end. They've kind of got to, even if they don't necessarily build to them, they literally have to keep playing for time until it's time for them to show up. You know? Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. It, it's, it's just, it's an enjoyable film. It's just kind of a, uh, um, kind of a shitty film at the same time. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like, it does, it does the job. Put it this way. I enjoyed it much more than I enjoyed Doctor Strange or Ant-Man or mm -hmm. Civil War mm -hmm. or, 
you know, I'm trying to think what are the, what are the earlier Marvel films uh, uh, the or Avengers, Avengers or... Age of Ultron. Mm. You know, like so it's probably my favorite one in a while. Although Graham, God bless you. I I love you as a human being, but uh and and you put all the appropriate qualifiers around your appreciation of this movie. But and if you had not, I <laughs> thanks to the miracle of HBO now uh saw Suicide Squad and <laughs> it was all I could do not to buy a ticket, fly up to Portland and flay you alive because <laughs> Wait, didn't I actually say that like I enjoyed it but I would never recommend it to anyone? You did. And yet for some reason I was like, Oh, okay, then I've gotta watch this. Because I think you even said no. you watched it twice and enjoyed it. No 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 no. no That's what I'm I saying. Watched, no, I haven't watched it twice. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Alright. Then maybe 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 I got confused. Maybe I got confused. In that case, you what I really appreciated was you put up absolutely all of the the appropriate wiggle words. I have nothing. I have. I have. I cannot. Con, I cannot condemn you in any way. But I have to say, for whatever reason, I got confused and was like, "Oh, Graham enjoyed this, but I should watch this." Holy no, no. shit! I, I could be wrong. I might even have said that you should not watch it. You probably did say that. You probably did say that, and I somehow took it as. Graham is reverse psychologying me and telling me I should watch it, and now I'll watch it. No, like no, no. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, sorry, Suicide Squad is is very much a film that you would not enjoy. Holy crap! Well, it's interesting because I sat down to watch it as the Saturday Night Movie with H uh, with my wife, and oh god, yeah, oh no, and I'm feeling even worse. You made Edie sit through it? No, 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 no. Are you kidding? I can't make her sit through anything. But I will tell you this: she made it all of 17 minutes before she was like, "This is unwatchable. This is." <laughs> unwatchable and she she basically left i had to watch it on my own like i don't know like but, four days later okay. or whatever in all seriousness did you not think that as well because suicide squad has the worst opening and i remember oh, yeah. very clearly and i say this to someone who enjoyed it but i remember very clearly the part where they they have the it's amanda waller let's give her the sympathy for the devil music cue yeah. i remember being like oh this is going to be really bad you know what's interesting is is thanks to thanks to following you uh at hollywood reporter um i think i saw an article by one of your colleagues that broke down how the movie more or less was put released was made. in the form yes. yeah and yeah yes. and knowing that and watching it in some ways kind of helps the situation a little bit because I, I kind of got it like that is in the sense of watching suicide squad is like watching a movie that has been assembled by two different sets of editors and then merged together. So you can really, we we should say for people who didn't read the article, what basically happened with suicide squad is that is exactly it. Mm -hmm. But First of all, if you watch Tuesday Squads, you can even see the part where the two different films meet. Yeah. But right. the first half is literally edited together by the people who edited the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even traditional film editors. It was trailer editors who did the first half of the film. And you can really tell. Yeah. You completely tell, which is why very much in the same way what, what worked for the, um, 
the the Suicide Squad trailer, the retro hip seventies music and the sort of uh candy colored acid visuals works itself into a series of opening sequences at the beginning that are stultifying. Like just Oh, it's like it's you're talking about the bit where they're like, here's the fag files of the characters and you're like I am just watching a trailer. Yeah, I'm going to be watching a two-hour-long trailer. Well, yeah. I mean, part of it was that part. I mean, in a way, I don't necessarily mind that as a um, as as a way to sort of introduce the characters. The problem is, in part, because it's all cobbled together a little bit, and there were some reshoots and whatever involved. There's a lot of we're introducing the characters and there's a lot of sort of like, this is what they do, but there's no real, like, this is who they are, I suppose. Like, oh yeah, no, 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 it's, it's literally a, like, it's dead shot. He's deadly with a shot. Like, <laughs> show him shooting someone. Exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of like, uh, just really very cliched stuff. But the other thing that is also amazing is, is that how much it collides with the second part of the movie that's the more traditional edit because that was clearly the way that they had set up the movie was going to be these slow reveals of these characters. And so to get the, here's this guy, here's that guy, here's this guy. And then the next 20 minutes of the movie is them being like, well, who's this guy? And it's like, we just, we already fucking know. Why are you? So every (laughs) character gets introduced twice which blows my mind and even uses footage like the stuff with el diablo where it's like oh here i am showing you what he can do and that's supposed to be a big reveal later on yeah yeah it's hilarious it's It's like look he can set fire to things like cut to 30 minutes later and they're like you what can you do anyway oh shit he set fire to something you're like exactly what the fuck yeah it's yeah it's 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 amazing. I mean, yeah. it's genuinely um a study of like the I was going to say narrative complexity, but that makes it sound like it's intentional. A study of the contradictiveness yeah. of Suicide Squad would be an amazing thing because yeah. Suicide Squad is a film that really you know how you see people that are like you know this this story dares you to like it. Suicide Squad dares you to like it in all the wrong ways. Well, the thing about Suicide Squad is I, because of the structure is it dares you to like it, and then after it loses that bet, it's like okay, but how about double or nothing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and then loses it again. <laughs> So that was quite an experience, I gotta say. It was, ooh, it was so dire. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll say this: Guardians will go down much easier. Okay, I'm glad to hear it. I'm uh, glad because to hear it. nothing else like Guardians is slick. It well, is right. It's it's you know it really genuinely is like vapor to shit. Right, but slick. But what 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 consistent kind of... like consistently slick Suicide Squad is really just so. Oh, all Suicide over the Squad map is like astoundingly inconsistent. Yeah, Suicide so. Squad is like. Did you guys think the Fantastic Four was just a little bit too professional? <laughs> we no, got a movie it, for you. It, it, yeah. it really is, and again, no. I like Suicide Squad, yeah. but it's a terrible film. 
Oh man, it is it is seriously bad. Okay. I I have a question to ask because uh, when it came out, me and my editor Hollywood Reporter were both like, "Yeah, I like half of it. And I really don't like half of it, and we liked different halves." Which I which I see. Which which, which, see. which half did you like? Okay. You, Again, neither. like I'm which, saying, which, like, half, which half did you prefer? Uh, I'm not sure that honestly. There were things to recommend each half. The the trailer editor's parts had a little bit of wit that was usually just covered in parts that they thought were witty but wasn't. But every once in a while, there would be something that's kind of clever, like in, in Deadshot's little uh, scrolling um, – dossier that appears on screen i think the scrolling dossier isn't a bad idea for those characters anyway but there's some stuff about like things that he can kill with or whatever like the the uh, captain oh, yeah, it gets absolutely ludicrous. yeah exactly it, at some parts it's just like it kills with a credit card or whatever and it's just, that was a little fun uh the the shit with boomerangs uh fixation on the pink unicorn Again, it's that classic, like, oh, that's really fun, and then it actually l- l- pays off in a way that you realize sort of spoils the joke that was supposed to be set up later, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so there's parts that I liked in that, and God help me, there are parts where, um, like, I thought, I thought Jared Leto's Joker was just astonishingly bad, but, there's a few moments, like literally split seconds, where he's glowering and he kind of, he really does look like, more like Frank Miller's uh, Joker from Dark Knight Returns than you yeah. would think. Particularly the shots where where that Joker's pissed off and sort of eyebrowless and Jared Leto's character is pissed off and eyebrowless is kind of great. But like literally just a visual sliver. And then for the shots that come up for um, uh, David Ayers, is that the guy who I always get? Is There's so many Davids floating around. Da- da- David tired. Ayers is the director of the movie. Oh, okay, thanks. Who did the script. His cut, which is sort of a little more traditional, the sequence – the the bonding in the bar sequence where they sort of start to come together as a quote unquote team. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up liking those bits and parts. Um, yeah, you know, but but so there's little fragments in each where I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This is kind of okay. Like honestly, um, the character quote unquote arc of El Diablo and uh, the performance of Jay Hernandez, who's not a guy who I normally groove on, I thought was, was surprisingly good. Like it's sort of surprisingly, um, that was kind of weirdly touching for me. That weird, like combination of here's an actor doing a thing and a little bit. It was the only time there was half a twinge of a, Oh, I, I kind of do want to see a movie about this guy or maybe because he's the only character that's interested in redemption in a way, it kind of really rang a bell, I suppose. Um, and, and the fact that the fact that his Desire for that somehow manages to ring a bell with the rest of the squad, despite the fact that they don't necessarily want that for themselves, was um, 
there was kind of a little bit of a, oh, holy shit, there's a moment here that I've not felt for the last, like, uh, 55 minutes of this is what the filmmaker is trying to do and it actually matches what I, what I feel, what I'm feeling a little bit inside. It was kind of interesting that that kind of did sync up, but, and, and honestly, as long as I'm going to the next stage, I thought the way, not, not what they did with the character in the story, but the visualization of the enchantress was actually, I, pretty cool. I actually really kind of liked how the character looked and how the character sort of manifested, like how they reimagined that character for the screen. I was kind of like, that's kind of neat. Uh, but the rest of it was all just, I mean, again, it's kind of like, yeah, here I am sifting through a, a barrel of garbage and I'm like, oh, I think this apple core isn't rotted yet, you know, so... It was it was dire. Interestingly enough, what I did want to talk about, because I saw it around the same time, like I think we brought it up at the same time and then I didn't watch it at about the same time and have not discussed it at the same time on previous episodes. But did you end up watching Legion uh, on Hulu? Yes, yes. That was kind of pretty amazing, I have to say, because not only did the first episode just blow my fucking mind, but the story went on to do some pretty great and awesome stuff. There was some dead spots. There were some parts where I was like, eh, but it, it was, it ended up being astoundingly, uh, Grant Morrison-y. That is the most Morrison-y little mini series. Um, it was surprising to me how much of it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, like I haven't read Cy Spurrier's uh, Legion arc and I've heard good things and I'd like to check in on it. But I, I, I think you'd really like it. But what I saw on screen here, which I did enjoy, really was like we're taking really Lynchian takes on things. But ultimately, what you've got is is a is a story that is not necessarily too far from something that Morrison would throw out. You know, in the Invisibles well, got, or Flex Mentallo or you know, yeah, it, it's got Morrison's same influences. Yeah, you know, well, I, it, it, you it, don't, it's, but you it's, don't it's think Morrison. it's Morrison's influences as well? Do you think? Wait, say that again, because you you cut it. Oh, sorry, you don't think that it's Morrison's. You don't think that it's Morrison as direct influence, but rather they're both drinking from the same well. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think Morrison is a direct influence on it at all. Wow. But I think that Morrison and Holly are both like, you know, we love, we love, you know, if, and mm -hmm. we love the mm -hmm. prisoner, mm -hmm. and we love Claremont, and we're going to pull from all these things, and we're going to build something that looks very like. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't necessarily get a direct Morrison. Uh, influence as much as they all read like they watched the same things okay i think by the time that you have like jermaine clement's character hiding out in like a psychic landscape that he's constructed you know more or less inside an ice crystal I'm not sure what the shared influence on that sucker was, but I, I mean, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. There's just a lot of it that I'm like, eh. Also, it, I, I, I got, I and I, wrong. like, I really could be 
you know, imagining this. Mm-hmm. But Jermaine Clement, who was definitely my favorite part of the whole series, mm-hmm. um, there was something so arch and, um, I don't want to say purposefully dated because it doesn't necessarily fit in with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But the the datedness of the character, sure, really really made me read as uh, Lindy Anderson. Like I definitely got like a, a um, Britannia Hospital or Lucky Man vibe from that. Okay, I, it could be. Like, I, I'm... Yeah, like Morrison pulls directly from uh, Britannia Hospital and Lucky Man for the Invisibles. And when I say directly, I mean like he pulls dialogue and scenes from that for the first volume of the series. Jesus, I'm hardly surprised, but Jesus. Uh, yeah, but okay, but I'm saying like I think there's a difference between. I I feel like this is someone who reads Morrison, recognizes the influences, also likes those influences and pulls from those and pulls from a lot of stuff as well. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. I don't even know what it – because certainly, I mean, I'll be very curious as to see where the next series – the next version goes from. But the way the goofy ending on it really made me think like they're going to – pull from miracle man for the second volume so you know oh why 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 did you get miracle man from that uh because the end of and full spoilers of course for the people who who haven't seen legion you really just should i think because it's it's if nothing else it's so visually well done and uh there's just so many really nice touches uh throughout um but to to give away the spoilers, you've kind of got that sequence where uh of you know, um David and uh and what's her name? Sid Barrett. Thank you. How Sid. You How could I forget Sid, Sid Barrett? Barrett? I know, it's it's such an obvious name. Uh and Sid are kinda out there and this weird little flying gizmo comes up and sort of scans him and they're weirdly not threatened by it, which is kind of interesting. And then he gets zapped into it. And it flies off and he's like yelling, help, help, help me. Who knows where that's going to go? But I was kind of like, it's so weirdly aberrational that my take on it, which is probably a bizarro, completely wrong, is remember how uh, in Moore's Miracle Man, more or less Miracle Man shows, you know, defeats Kid Miracle Man and then is more or less instantly kidnapped by aliens because, you know, by showing his superpowers he's more or less tipped the balance like the 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 cosmic roost is aware of earth in a way and has to judge whether or not you know uh he's worthy and the world is worthy i sort of just for whatever reason that just crazy zippo thing cuz i'm it it's very clear that they wanted to do like this very drastic swerve like they set up where where the next season is going to go and you're like oh okay so it's going to be them in pursuit of the shadow king and clement's character and you know but they're also kind of doing a little bit of the matrix reloaded of okay now that we have an incredibly sort of unstoppable cosmic power character how do we get rid of them to keep drama going for the rest of the supporting characters and sort of the same way neo would get doored a million miles away i assumed that david was going to end up kidnapped by something more powerful than him 
and that would be aliens. And then that's also going to allow for a new way to kind of do the shtick that kept the first arc fresh, which is that degree of um, disorientation. Disorientation really seems to be the um, the part that the creators were really getting off on for the first series and really playing it out like as far as they could go with, of course, some appropriately trippy visuals. And I'm like, okay, the best way that you can really get trippy visuals, get the character off stage so that all the secondary characters still have to go against Clement and the Shadow King, which reintroduces drama, and to come up with a new test for David that then will, in theory, allow him to come back again, awesome, or would be aliens. So we'll we'll see where that goes. I, that's, I, that's hilarious. Like, I literally didn't think aliens at, at all. Uh-huh. Did you have a theory, or like, were you just kind of like, uh um, my theory was that it was the, uh, you know, not Department H, whatever they're called, mm, mm-hmm. the the alternate thing. I mm-hmm. just assumed it was them again. Mm. Well, we will we will see. But like I said, the, I, the other thing yeah. was like I kind of didn't want it to return. Like, yes, I felt all of that. I was like, like, no, this this show could have ended. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know exactly what you mean. But and who knows? I mean, I think they have they renewed it for a second season, or yeah. is it still yeah. out? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and according to Noah Holly, like he knows like a multi-year arc. Ah, okay. He's he's like uh, I know. I I have a story. I don't know how long the story is going to take. I didn't know how long the story was going to take until I got to the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to end the season in case it never came back. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. you could have, just, I presumably, just taken the tag out at the, at the end that, that introduced the the other thing. But, uh, but the Clement leaving, I have to say, Clement walking out singing "If I Ruled the World" mm-hmm. was perfect and also genuinely one of the most chilling moments of the show for me. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. because he is so nonchalant, mm-hmm. and like you know even before they're like oh shadow king you know what's happened because they've yeah. shown you they've outright shown you but just seeing him walk out singing if i rule the world so nonchalantly was one of those like oh shit right this is disturbing in the same way that, like bob from twin peaks was disturbing to me. yes absolutely which of course is is not no. necessarily accidental but yeah is yeah, is well, yeah, really like, well done shadow king is essentially bob mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I also yeah. loved the fact that when I first saw that character in the first episode where he's just the fat man, the devil with the yellow eyes, and they show him for yeah. just a second, I was like, oh, shit, is that the Shadow King? So that was a fun yeah, me too. moment. It was, it was yeah. one of those moments where you're like – and you kind of think for a while, eh, but they're not doing the Shadow King. Right, right. Or at least exactly. I did. Like, I was like, but they're not really doing the Shadow King. And I was like, they are. Right. Like they're fucking doing Shadow King. They really genuinely are going to do this. How are they going to do this? Mm-hmm. And then I, I was, I genuinely did not expect the Aubrey Plaza reveal. Yeah. And again, talking around it, like mm-hmm. there's, there's two reveals with Aubrey Plaza mm-hmm. or rather the one reveal in two parts. Yes. And I didn't expect either of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, and I kind of loved that. Mm-hmm. I kind of loved that it, and it simultaneously showed for me like, that it was nice to see uh the episode where Plaza is the psychiatrist. Yes. Was really interesting to me because she's like she never plays that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like 
for the rest of the show, she's essentially playing the Aubrey Plaza class. Yeah, sort of the Aubrey Plaza character. And I actually was impressed at how good she was as the therapist and the therapist character. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I really like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it also showed me that she's not actually a great actress. Oh, that's so funny. I thought she was surprisingly I, – I had actually more or less chalked Aubrey Plaza up as more or less kind of a one-note. One yeah. yeah, and I yeah. was kind of like, oh – I think she's got another note. I thought that she was actually pretty decent as the uh, as the therapist, but maybe I'm I guess I must be wrong, or I had like too low a bar for. Well, her. no, I, I I thought that uh, it's one of those things where like for the first half of the episode, I was like, I'm really really digging on this, mm-hmm. and it's when it was because at one point the therapist basically starts turning, like she goes from relatively cold. And uh, I don't want to say off-putting, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, right. disturbing because she is so cold and so clinical. Yeah. And then it's like, no, there's more going on. And as soon as the, the got to the there's more going on. Yeah, that's there were, true. Yeah. There was so little subtle, subtlety. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I feel like it was written as having more subtlety than she, she played it. Because I feel like she then flipped back into I'm Audrey Plaza. Yeah, could be. Could be. I mean, I thought she died. I sort of assumed that that was a choice, but maybe not. Maybe not. I definitely, because I thought she was relatively good enough as a cold character, and it, it's true, it would have been nice, I suppose, to see some of the nuance on that. Although, uh, I don't know. I was kind, of, I was kind of up in the air about that. So, anyway, Legion. I gotta say, surprisingly good for people who have Hulu. Um, that, that was, that was a very decent set of hours of TV. Surprisingly, I was, I continued to be surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how well done parts of it were. Um, it was, it it was great. Like, Mm -hmm. even when it, even, because it really are, for all the, the, the plaudits that it gets, there are parts where it's just like, uh, this is kind of not going anywhere. Yeah. There, there, it kind of, it's amazing to me how you can get like, even when you boil it down to eight hours of TV, like you're still going to get like, I don't know, like, you know, two, two episodes of wheel spinning, you know, like it was like, Oh, this could have been a perfectly honed six or something, you know, but eh, you know, it, it but, but I, I like, I, one thing I did like, and I, I haven't seen many people talk about, which is kind of surprising, mm-hmm. uh, is this, the spins on the other X-Men characters who aren't the X-Men characters. Yes. Like Sid Rogue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Carrie is Jimmy Madrox. Yeah. And right. Like not, I haven't, I haven't seen many people talk about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people say like, oh, Melanie Bird is, is Professor Xavier, which, you know, sure. But mm-hmm. no one's been like, Sid is Rogue. Right. Cause, cause she clearly is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's odd that people were like, how does this connect to the movies? And it's like, well, it doesn't. Right. I mean, that, which is obnoxious in a way. Like it really does. It's, it's pretty nice that it sits in its own world and you don't have to worry about, you know, I think I'm glad, like, I feel like the flashback episode, where you see the appearance of what should be Charles Xavier dropping off David with the parents is like, I think it's, you don't see the face, but the dude's got hair and it's kind of like, okay, that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't need to roll that far back. Yeah. I, the, the most, the most they give you is the wheelchair. You, like you do right. see a wheelchair from, from one of the movies. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I for myself, I have to say, 
it's funny that people didn't really take to that. And the thing again, which is why I think that it's very, um, Morrisonian is, is the way in which those characters are just kind of not superheroes in the same way. You know, Carrie is not, she's not a superhero. Like none, none of like all of them are, even as they're sort of doing their awesome sort of resistance, the fact that they're all sort of such ordinary characters, I suppose, or people like yeah, it, yeah. it comes closer. They really are to, to flip the script a little bit. They're much closer to the doom patrol than they are to the X-Men, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, I think that's totally true. Yeah. So, um, again, I, I, I appreciated it. It really was, that was, that was some fun stuff. So, Hey, it's our little media roundup. Um, and holy shit, I cannot believe that it's almost two hours. We're, we're in our little last five minute stretch. I don't even know why I make these uh, lists of comic books that I read because sort of... <laughs> I, I okay. I want to quickly say one of the things I've read over the last couple of weeks. I've actually read a shit ton of comics over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Ironically, in the episode where we don't talk comics at all, but um, I read the first two hardcover collections of Lazarus, Greg Rock and Mark. Uh, Lar- uh, Michael Lark's Lazarus. Yes, you might remember. I read it when it was first coming out, and I mm-hmm. just it left me cold. Yeah. Clearly, I needed to read it in collection because I fucking loved it as collected editions. Mm. Like, loved it. Got into it in a way that I did not, I did not before, but also did not even care before. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because, I mean, the pacing is glacial. Yeah. And so you read in like, you know, two 10 issue chunks, especially when you read both chunks together and essentially you're reading like, you know, 21 issues together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get much more of the story and it's much easier to get into. But I, yeah, I, I really, 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 like, I loved it so much that I went from, you know, eh, eh, you know, I used to like Craig Rucker to let me fucking buy the next five issues digitally to catch up on what I've missed. Wow. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm very glad. I sort of, as you know, I was a booster for Lazarus for the first, I don't know, maybe 10 issues, maybe even 15. I don't remember how far it was before I gave up. I think I want to say it was around 15 because I would swear to God it's three story arcs in. Uh, and, and, and I was always telling myself, maybe I'll come back to it in trade, but I sort of, you should, well, I don't know. You say that, but I feel like a, I'm not as much of a Rucka booster as you are. Cause I've read some yeah. of the longer form or larger collected chunks of stuff there's something that Rekka does with his characters that just um, tends to leave me cold. And weirdly enough, it was more that than the glacial pacing for Lazarus that made me jump off. I could, weirdly enough, I can also see where I might, it might be easier for me. Well, yeah, I'll have to see the trades. I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Cause, cause it, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's almost, kind of the it's a million dollar idea like the way that rucka sets everything up it's it's kind of i'm kind of shocked that hbo hasn't like snapped it up in a way oh yeah it was some like it is being developed for tv i know that i know that i don't know if it's being developed like for a like for a a channel or if it's being developed and going to be shopped around but i know it's being developed for tv but it does feel like you know 
it feels like a TV show. It really does. It really feels like this, this is, this is kind of where the next Game of Thrones people yes. should go, you know? Yes. It's, yeah, it very, very much does because it has, it has all the ingredients. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I think to the extent that I jumped off, part of my problem was the character, everybody, it felt like, ingredients but it never really felt like soup i guess if you know what i mean which, which is one of the reasons i'm really glad i read like the two collections mm -hmm. because the second collection which is i oh shit does it say on the back how many what issues is i think it's issues 11 through 21 11 through 21 yeah that would make sense um it's it's far stronger mm -hmm. and it, it's the point 10 through 21 so it's just 10 through 21 apparently Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's where, it's where the ingredients start to come together. It's where it goes from, like, I am putting all the pieces into position mm -hmm. to, I am starting the game. Well, okay. I, I, it's like a very fast change as well. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, like, you know, for the first nine issues, you have like, here's the world, we're building the world. And then the 10th issue starts the storyline where they're like, actually it's the 11th issue starts the storyline. But mm -hmm. it's like, and all the families get together and here are all the other Lazaruses as well. And yeah. here's how it's all interrelates. And, and you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, I genuinely feel like we're in a different book. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I suspect my, my, I suspect we have different areas at which these things don't bother us. Le or, or rather the things that bother me, I, to, you know. I think we're looking for different things from the story, definitely. I, it could be. It could be. I, I, you know, hmm, yeah. All right. Anywho, uh, yeah. Anyway, I have a theory about it, but, uh, I'll, I'll have to check into it. Interestingly enough, um, what I would counter Lazarus with that I don't think that you would necessarily like, but for people who are kind of like, oh yeah, that's kind of a thing. I picked up, um, in, in the midst of some crazy, crazy comicsology spree spending, I bought several of the Battle Angel Alita Last Order Omnibuy, like, because it was like a really good deal. It was sort of something like, is like six bucks or seven dollars for an omnibus that collects like five volumes in a row or four volumes in oh, a row. Oh shit. So yeah, so it was something like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not even interested in series and I'm like, but that's an amazing deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like each, each one is literally like 900 pages of content or something like that. And I was like, yeah. And then of course, after I bought them, I was like, but what if you don't like this, Jeff? Won't you kind of feel like an idiot? And which is true and has happened in the past. I'm really happy to say that I'm really loving it. And what's interesting to me is Battle Angel Alita Last Order, it, it, you know, the omnibus was, omnibuy, the five omnibuy are sort of like the complete collection. I'm like, awesome. And you start reading volume one, and this is a continuation of another 20 volume series for Battle Angel Alita that was that happened earlier and this is the sequel set like 200 years in the future and i was like Holy part of me is like what the fuck but what's great is i started reading it and it kind of doesn't matter like it's interesting that the character that the creator 
really like I don't know how much of the world building that happens in the first set the first story arc really plays into account here but the world building is just so insane like it's happening in this sort of post I want to say like post humanity the, the great thing is is depending on when this story was done this is this is one of those uh gosh who 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 is the is the manga ka for this shit it's Yukito Kishiro it does just amazing amounts of hard science world building where okay let's see if i can tell you here's here's the outline and admittedly this is volume one's outline so it's a little bit different from the the uh, volume two's outline so it's a little different from volume one the future the development of cyborg technology cheapened human life the sky city teferes dominated life on the surface and directly beneath it built on the trash it threw away was a unique community called the scrapyard among a tumultuous city full of crime, people struggled to survive. It was there that Ito, a cybernetic doctor in the scrapyard, found the head of a cyborg several hundred years old in a pile of rubble. Miraculously resurrected, the girl was named Alita. She had lost her memory, but her flesh remembered the legendary martial art Panzerkunst. With Ida by her side, she became a bounty hunter and started down the path of self-discovery. But an incident caused by the genius Teferian scientist known as Nova led to Ito's death. Okay, now everything that I just read was apparently everything from the first previous arc. <laughs> Alita herself was arrested by as a criminal by the Teferian organization GIB. She was then forced to become a tuned, an agent of Tefares, and began to hunt down Nova, who held the key to Ito's resurrection. Oh no, I'm sorry, this is all still the first arc that I had didn't read <laughs> after a series of battles, Alita cornered and defeated Nova, but he revealed the shocking truth. The brains of the people of Tefares had been replaced with microchips. Even they were nothing more than, than experimental Guinea pigs. Are Tiferians human or machine? The secret revealed by Nova turns Tefares upside down and leads Alita into new battles. Okay. So that's, that is more or less everything that happens before the first omnibus. The first, the, the first omnibus happens after Alita has died at the conclusion of the previous arc and then is resurrected by the villainous scientist who is more or less, um, sort of moved kind of into this realm of almost b beyond good and evil, like still evil, but in a chaotic way that essentially resurrects her so that he can more or less see what she can do and how she can react to the fact that all of humanity is more or less post-human. And it goes on like, um, if the whole city in the sky thing sounds sort of vaguely European, as far as I can tell, at least from the influences in the first omnibus, uh, the, the creator is, is very influenced by, I, uh, European bon dessine. And, um, there's some really Mobius type stuff running through here, I think, but Kashiro is also just into that crazy, like, Super world building. So as much as I'm like, I kind of want to hear about these adventures of like this rogue bounty hunter and the city in the sky and the garbage city that's formed below from its refuse. Like 
uh, Kashiro's like, oh, no, 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 no time for that. This is 200 years in the future. Everyone's more or less abandoned Earth, and the whole story is what's happening out in space. And it's it's just, it's ridiculous. It's been tremendous fun. I don't think you'd really dig it, Graham, in a way. And there's a way where actually the fact is, is that in the second volume, it's, it's, it really reveals like Kashiro's got like this incredibly Byzantine, uh, world building and backstory, but it's still basically kind of a shonen comic. Like it ultimately comes down to, okay, but who's Alita going to punch and how am I going to figure out a way to wrap that in a tournament structure so that I can introduce new bad guys for Alita to punch and learn things, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. really? You've got all this world building and you're going to introduce a fucking fighting tournament halfway through? Like, you know, like it's kind of really strange. Like, oh, here's Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, you know, but with Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat jammed in at certain key exactly. points, you know? And, and there's also time for Iron Chef. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that being said, it's, it's, that's kind of my read that sort of, uh, I, I'm reading it in chunks, but also like reading 300 pages at a time and then just kind of sitting and letting sort of savoring it like a stew and then coming back for more. So uh, instead of just binge reading it all. So that's, that's kind of my thing. I'm so bummed that well, we didn't I, get a chance to I'm, talk about I'm yes. Gonna, yes. I was going to say, I'm going to spin off of that and tell you that I have read Strong Team Dog, uh, oh, the collection Jesus. volumes one, two, three, and four. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Because, um, because I got volume, I've had volume one for a while, mm -hmm. but I got volumes two through four from Powell's because mm. they, because they had them all and they were relatively cheap. Right. And Jeff, those are just, I mean, those are amazingly good comics. And I remember liking them a lot as a kid, but reading them now, I, I honestly was like, I think these might've been better than the dreads that they were contemporaneous with. Oh, you had said that on, uh, on Twitter, which I found mind-boggling because of course they brought stronium dog back and i was reading some of the stories that they were doing with even with Escara on the art and i think alan wagner doing the no, story it's, it's, it's john, yeah, it's john, john wagner writing yeah. the music which is which is just nothing like the original series oh okay because i was far, like it was kind of weak far thought. slower it's mm -hmm. far more serious mm -hmm. um no that like it it's classic strontium dog mm -hmm. uh manages to merge the comedy and the the drama far more uh far far better basically mm -hmm. uh has a clearer i don't want to say clearer appeal but like i think dread can get confusing to an extent um with the is he a fascist is he a good guy Ooh. Like, right. depends on the story. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Johnny Alpha is clearly the good guy. Mm -hmm. But then they're like, and here is his fascist father, who is quite clearly, like, a fucking Nazi. Mm -hmm. And our analogy is mutants. And it, it just feels much cleaner in many respects. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, fucking dumb. 
Like, his sidekick is Wolf Sternhammer, a time-displaced fucking Viking who calls everyone Cucumber and beats everyone with his stick. <laughs> his, his doctor is the Gronk, a nervous alien who, when he gets nervous, has a heart attack and dies and will then bring himself back to life. And there's an entire story where he just dies repeatedly. It'll come back to the Gronk just so he can wake up and go, oh, I'm fine, oh, shit, and die again. <laughs> And Middenface McNulty, uh, the Scottish one, who's literally, his entire mutation is, he has a lumpy head. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Mm. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really great. And, I, you know, I, I've said to you many times, like, you know, yeah, if you've got to read, like, Thrill Power Overload, yeah, if you've got to read this. Um, if, you know, you're ever at Green Apple or somewhere and someone has, the like, any of the first four volumes, especially volumes one or two, though, you've got to buy them. Well, like they had them in the larger style, um, like kind of what they were doing with the complete complete case files for yeah, Dread, that's, right? That's the one. That's the ones I read. Yeah, yeah. I I want to say that I might have the first volume of that digitally. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. Mm. It's so good, and it really is especially for the first couple of years, it really is the, like, old-school 2000-ness of it all as well. Mm-hmm. Something like that wonderfully pulpy, really doesn't give a shit where it steals from. Right. Element. And it's it's just so good. It's so good. Uh, you know, it's, because, uh, um, and this is why I'm like, damn it, Graham, this is, we need to have an episode where we flip the script, where we spend the first... Because I could spend another hour just talking about comics, and then our fucking ears will fall off, and and I will be like <laughs> okay, swearing at myself. One more comic. Well, no. Okay, I I I. It was more an observation, which is, and and you may not ag- agree, but uh, the latest issue of the Flintstones, issue eleven, the Neighborhood I Association, haven't, haven't read, read it. it. Okay, no. when you do read it. Tell me if Steve Pugh, uh, who's doing the art, is drawing the Great Gazoo like Dread. Because I think he kind of is, and it's amazing. So okay, um, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll I, I it's like you'll probably be like, no, Jeff, you're just thrown because of blah blah blah. But that was the one where I was like, hmm. And when we were talking about Legion, of course, and and stuff, various TV-like things, I was like, oh, this will be a great way for me to talk about Walking Dead 167. But it's kind of I – don't, I don't really know necessarily what I want to say about Walking Dead 167 other than I was like, holy shit, you guys, Walking Dead 167. Because it's – a major death of a major character that Robert Kirkman is like, I'm going to treat majorly. And, and it's also the Robert Kirkman who's like, now that I've been working on TV scripts for like a long time, uh, and the walking dead show, it's kind of a little bit of him in his head being like, okay, I know how this, how basically how it's, it's an, it's an, issue of the walking dead comic that I'm like, I've only seen one episode of the TV show and it feels more like where he's going for like a TV show, uh, version of it. If nothing else, because it's like 45 fucking pages long, it's a monster of a book, which bless his heart. He only charges two ninety nine for, um, 
but it's amazing to me how much, uh, I really want some, I want one, I, it's one of the few comic books that as soon as it was done, I wanted to go online and see what the reaction was because I was so like, huh, none of that worked for me. Like really kind of like, I can see what Kirkman's doing. I can see where he's going for this and that and like kind of like, oh, that's kind of a nice touch. But, but it, but so much of it was like this because it's so blatant in what it's doing, it's not landing for me. And of course people, it's sort of a, well, of course this is a beloved character dying. This is of course how we're going to land it. But it was, um, it was really, it was really weird for me, the dissonance. I am shocked that I have read every issue of The Walking Dead, you know, most of them in trades, but a lot of them in single issues. I've read 167 issues of this comic book, still continue to, to buy it, still continue to read it towards the top of the pile. And I really find myself being like, why do I have a problem? Like it's very much this kind of, cause I mean, honestly, there is that level of like, this was the one of the, this was arguably my favorite character in the book to the extent that I really cared about characters at all, kind of. And I was still like, huh, yeah, that's kind of, wow. You can just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that I don't have the paper format of it because I could actually see if you could see Kirkman, if he actually sent the issues out with a little bit of his sweat in each issue, like just to show how hard he worked on this issue. Cause everything about it is like, I'm working my ass off and, um, it just doesn't, it just, I was, I was shocked by how cold I was left. It really made me the walking, walking dead 167 was a great litmus test. Um, because I really feel after finishing that issue, I feel like I failed that test they give the replicants in Blade Runner to tell if you're human or not. And I now know that I'm like a Nexus 6 or whatever the the weak-ass version of it is. The Nexus <laughs> three and a half, The part that the one, the Nexus that they recalled because the batteries melted and they caught on fire. You know, it's that that's it was it was a shame. I think that seems it's entirely appropriate. I, I OK, I have two things to say. Yes. One. I feel like we've had this conversation about The Walking Dead before. Yeah. In the uh, in the direction of, you don't know why you buy it, at still, and you don't know why you read it so not necessarily excitedly, but like why it is at the top of your pile. Yeah. Like I, I feel like we've had this discussion before. Yes. And three it's or four times to me over that, the years. Yeah. Well, but it's fascinating to me that it still is. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you have these moments of like, oh, I'm not really into this. And it never like that disappears by the time the next issue comes around. It seems. So. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. And the second thing was, I'm totally curious what character dies now, and I don't read the books. So chances are you'll see a name, and I'll be like, oh, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will, I will kind of leave that off there because I don't want necessarily quote unquote spoil. Well, again, I feel you might spoil, spoil it for for spoil it for people, and because yeah, I really the spoiled the book. Like, yeah. what's the point of you saying name? Maybe yeah. Like, exactly. Someone's yeah, listening. Yeah. They're like, motherfucker. It's, yeah. Exactly. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. So I'll 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 leave it so that since it won't really affect you either way. But yeah, no, it is. It's a weird thing. I don't because because I have I've redoubled down on 
it actually. The the weird part is I would have to say I'm back to enjoying The Walking Dead more than I have in a long while. And again, weirdly, it's because I'm now reading it digitally. And so I can read, I get the issues delivered to me when they come out every month. So I don't, I'm not really waiting. And it's much easier for me to reread back issues if I'm like, yeah. who is this character or what, why do I care? Um, and, and the weird part is, is again, like I said, I don't care. I think what it is, is as a, and I probably have thrown this forward as a, uh, in previous, uh, episodes, uh, but as a child of the sixties, seventies and eighties, um, someone who grew up under the shadow of the apocalypse and was just raised so steeply in apocalyptic post-apocalyptic literature uh, as a genre i just seem to basically groove on that like it's very much the i will read this book and there's just enough of a mix of like oh but what's going to happen to this culture now or what's going to happen to this society now interestingly enough i'll even go it one step further and this is going to sound insane but uh, as, uh, hopefully I know Graham knows cause we were talking about it a little bit through, throughout the week, but Tegan O'Neill wrote a series of star, the last star Wars essay, uh, and, and published it at her blog. And Graham and I were talking about some other stuff on her Twitter feed, but, uh, Tegan's piece about star Wars and, uh, in particular, the things that she likes about rogue one and how that hooks up with what she likes about the rest of Star Wars is kind of an interesting essay. And one of the things that she sort of posits is that one of the things that's great about Star Wars is, is sort of every character has a story that's, and that's more or less inherited from that weird fusion of the fact that there were every character was an action figure. And if you were a kid and you had the action figures, you literally got to make up your own backstory about them. But of course the expanded universe then goes on to do that as well. So every character sort of is a character, I guess, and your ability to sort of fill backstory into those characters. Weirdly enough with the walking dead, I have to say most of the characters I barely pay attention to. I barely track, but there's three or four characters for whom I have some sort of weirdo emotional resonance in that kind of matter to me. And yet I'm not even sure the extent to which they matter to me because they are well-rounded characters. Cause they're kind of not, I mean, not only is Kirkman not really what one would think of as like a deep psychological writer, but, but, even the characters that people are like, I love this character have maybe only had like 20 comic book panels of development over the course of like 40 issues because there's so many characters. I'm like, okay, you know, half of them. I'm like, I think that's the fat doctor. Okay. I think that might be the cool gay guy. And I think that's the not as cool gay guy. And I think that one's the guy who's got the grudge. No, he's the guy who used to have the grudge. Like, honestly, these are characters that are sketchy doesn't really even begin to, 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 um, 
measure it, but sort of in the same way that you can kind of invest a video game character with a certain degree of um, emotional attachment for whatever reason. I guess maybe I have that with The Walking Dead because there's another moment that happens in the issue where the character dies. Where, again, with the character dying, I'm like, eh, eh. I really like this character. What a drag that they're dying in a way that is kind of um, just beyond annoying, sort of. But there's another <laughs> little plot moment where some other character comes in and I swear to God does nothing more than narrow their eyes. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. No, they can't do that. And it was really funny because I'm like, I don't even know if I'll remember that, you know, a week from now. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's basically sort of the same way that you have that weird bad food as a kid that you still go out and you kind of like. And even though you're an adult and you know better, you still kind of go and get it and eat it. And you're like, yeah, this stuff, I don't even think I like the taste of this anymore. But but I know I'm basically going to be eating one of these. Oh, like, no, I... I... I, yeah, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. And I, I, to be honest, I think that's what a lot of uh, superhero comics sure. exist on. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think there's something of that. And it's weird that Walking Dead is very much that idea of like that weird post-apocalyptic futility, like you're all on your own and what the hell's going to happen? And, oh, somebody's brain just got eaten. But is the community going to survive? I mean, it's... It's like an, and I know I've said this in other things. It's like a never-ending version of the stand. And when I was a kid, I remember there was a point in in this, reading the stand for the first time where I was like, "Oh Jesus, I wish this book would never end." And it's kind of creepy that I'm probably going to get my wish in a way that I of a sort in a way that I was not expecting. And apparently, I'm I'm beholden enough to that that kid and that kid's fervor that I'll be, I'll be giving Robert Kirkman money for most of his life, which is distressing to me in a variety of ways. But isn't that kind of like amazing? I, I never, uh, I never stopped to think, you know, I've been buying Superman comics in some form or another Mm -hmm. since, uh, since Burn took over, mm, mm-hmm. which was what eighty six. Yeah, I think that sounds right. So that's so that's like thirty one years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm still buying Superman comics now. Mm-hmm. And Superman comics continue to entertain me. <laughs> right. Do you know right. what I mean? Like you have that moment of like the continuity of my life of buying fucking Superman comics is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. That well, which is which is kind of this amazing thing. As you get older and comics are still here, it's kind of like, wow, really? That's huh? I mean, you know. But yeah, like you said, like it's Superman comics. Like I didn't think I. I'm sure if I'd you'd ask me as a kid, I was like, oh sure, I'll be reading Spider Man comics for the rest of my life. And and the fact that I'm like, yeah, uh, hmm, apparently I'm still, I think, I think I am dangerously close to falling off of Batman comics. I really think that, I think I told you that as we came out of that, I think I've got to give King a little bit more time, I, I think, or like, I've got to round up the rest of the issues and read it, but I kind of suspect I might be stopping and... 
I don't know what that means. Like, if that means altogether, or I, I'm reading the All-Star Batman stuff, which, as you know, you didn't like. We talked about this last episode. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, like I said, we're getting our second wind, which is exactly what I do not want us to do. So, um, Well, yeah, we're two and a half hours. I mean, this is actually a good time stop, genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Let, so, let's, let's call because otherwise we will talk yeah. for longer. And nobody wants that. <laughs> I, no, the listeners, not us. Exactly. Nobody wants that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Please, people, I hope you understand, but Jeff does not want to hate himself tomorrow when he's editing this. So, Graham? Jeff could say Jeff doesn't want to hate himself when he, like, it's 10.30 at night and we're still fucking podcasting with the uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's probably it. So... Do you want to move us? Yeah, I start moving us towards the exit by saying, Jeff, look at that big sign that says exit. And everyone else, (laughs) look at that big sign that says you can find show notes for this episode and every episode of Wade Wad and Baxter Building, at least since we relaunched, uh, on waitwadpodcast.com. You can also find content on waitwadpods.tumblr.com and on Twitter at waitwadpodcasts. We are also... Oh, wait, because I've said Twitter, I also have to say, Jeff is on Twitter, at Lazy Bassett, L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I am on Twitter, at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Now, getting back to what I was going to say, we are a Patreon-supported podcast. The next episode of the show will not be an episode of the show, it'll be a Baxter-building episode, something that exists purely because of the kindness of our Patreon patrons, Patreon supporters, Patreon sugar daddies, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> because I've said Patreon, Jeff is going to have to stop laughing and start talking, Mr. Lester. Yes. Let's say, what, how do you guys feel about sugar pats? I kind of like sugar pats. Because <laughs> I think that, that sort of like combos it up in a number of ways. Yes, as Graham pointed out, the wonderful people at Patreon are uh, kind enough and generous enough to throw us a little bit of cash. Um, usually, uh, from what we hear from them, because they really appreciate the fact that we uh, have continued to release episodes of this podcast completely free and available to everyone. And although no one said it, I think the fact that we were the only podcast that did not have ads from stamps.com uh, for that one period where apparently every podcast did kind of, they may made... now it's all blue apron, a better way to cook. <laughs> I can do those ads. I can totally do I know, that. I know, but the fact every that we month are actually... they'll ship you a box of foods, Jeff. <laughs> cooking's hard. I know cooking's hard. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> cooking's hard, but with blue apron cooking gets fucking easy. Cause they give it to you like, fucking packed and you stick it in a pan and they give you instructions <laughs> it's a bad way to cook where's my money blue apron <laughs> it's so it's such a shame that that we do not have a cold open for these things because that is fucking brilliant graham thank you you can oh give this one a cold open come on <laughs> are you kidding it's no, too much work you know what yes oh, oh so i was gonna say let's be honest that's a payoff for anyone who stayed with us for two and a half hours. It is totally true. It is totally Let's true. Like, you people rubble. deserve it. Oh <laughs> my god. That's fucking genius. Anyway, as I was saying, there's a group of wonderful people who generally are like, hey, I've been listening to you for years and I wanted to, to like 
finally throw you some cash to let you know, like, to thank you for all the dozens of hours. God bless them. It's not really dozens uh, of hours of entertainment. Maybe they'd meant they listened to us for hundreds of hours and they were entertained for dozens. I think that's probably fair. And they felt like throwing some money to us. We really appreciate that. It helps keep us um, motivated, excited, lively. It allows us to throw a little bit of money to Matt Turrell, who I don't know if you guys uh, caught it, but I, I was really amused by his review of Secret Empire number one, which was, did you see this, Graham? Oh, I, I, I yes. Not only did I see it, I'm the one who talked to him into actually doing it. Oh, are you? We, You're we a were genius. we were emailing we were emailing back and forth, and he was like, "This is a dumb idea." And I was like, "That's not a dumb idea. That's genius. Please do it." Yeah, he 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 basically cobbled together reviews of Age of Ultron number one and changed the characters and creators and and occasional pronouns in brackets to apply to Secret Empire number one, and uh it was. That was a beautiful way to do things, Matt. That was a great job. Anyway, people on Patreon, thank you. Thank you so much. You make this all possible. Um, we especially want to thank the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, we're especially indebted to both of you for the continuing support of the podcast and um, your willingness to continue to let this fragile thing we call civilization survive. So, thank you so very much. Graham? Thanks, everyone. Thanks for not killing us. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Blue Apron for supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're going to be back next week. It's going to be a Baxter Building, and we are going to be reading... Oh, God, it's annuals. We're going to be reading annuals 14 through 18, I think? Yes, that's and right. What oh, if, uh... and, and a what-if annual to prove that John Byrne just could not stop going over the Task Force origin. He's he's addicted to it. <laughs> he is. He can't get enough. In fact, I think God bless them. They were they there was that one letters column where people actually literally complained. They're like, "This is the fifth time he's done the cover to FF number 1. We get it. Stop." It was kind of funny to actually see that in a letters page because Lord knows that's not the kind of stuff you see in letters pages anymore to the extent you see letters pages. So, um, yeah, the Baxter building, join us for that. It's going to be a hoot and a nanny, I have to say. <laughs> I feel, we're going to have an owl. We're going to have a babysitter. It's going to be great. They solve guys. crimes. You know? Hoot and nanny. Oh my god, hoot and nanny. Yeah, exactly. Come it's on. Like a, <laughs> Oh, exactly. seriously! Come Listen, if you can't get like a if you can't get a Boom Studios four issue series out of that, oh, see, then... that's so funny. I'm not. I'm apparently. I'm thinking small. I was thinking I could get myself a TV series off the BBC out of that. So uh, you know, because they solve crime. But you're right. It probably would be Boom. Also, I did that deliberately I... to make it sound like. Never mind. It it wasn't funny. Because I'm like, yeah, technically I would say that a, a TV series on the BBC and a miniseries by Boom, back in the day, they used to be equally small. Now, who knows? Anyway. Uh, Hoot and Nanny, oh, they solve oh. crimes. Oh, you know what? Actually, there is one more thing I have to mention. In, uh, Go! Uh, the Exiled podcast, uh, run by... Oh, yes! I was going to ask! How, yeah. how, how did that go? I, Jeff, Jeff, hey, listeners, Jeff betrayed me. <laughs> I went on another podcast. 
I, uh, Luke, Never mind the fact that I have done other podcasts. I was about to say, you I, pop up I, on I, them, you're the beloved. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, yes, the, the very awesome Luke Her, Hair? Luke Her, uh, who does the Exiled podcast, which is, amazingly enough, uh, an RPG podcast where he is the GM using the, um, much beloved, at least by players, um, Marvel superheroes TSR game rules, uh, which I'm sure that he also um, boots up a little bit to to run basically exile stories, which are very um, very. Luke at one point mentioned that he was a big fan of Jeff Parker and Jeff Parker's Agents of uh, Atlas, um, which isn't surprising considering Gorilla Man's a character in on the main team. But, uh, we, I was invited to participate in the Exiled Free Comic Book Day special. So the episode just came out, uh, this, um, today. You can go to, uh, exiledpodcast.com if you want to hear the adventures of an alternate team of exiles, Maggot, Pirate Storm, Hellcat, and, uh, Cha Cha X, uh, team up to visit New York City. Uh, an alternate New York City with some very strange events going on. Yes, uh, it's really amusing because I was like, yes, I'm playing Cha-Cha X. And uh, I got referred to as Cha-Cha Charles and Cha-Cha Xavier. doesn't matter. Same concept. It's Charles Xavier as um, as a man who has used his telekinesis to not only make himself walk, but to give himself the powers of the most amazing ballroom dancing um skills you've ever seen uh we cause some trouble i do some very clumsy role playing it's actually a lot of fun feel free to check it out i all i'm gonna say is this i can't wait to listen to this <laughs> oh god <laughs> i genuinely can especially because did you do the accent you know, I have to say, I did a pretty crap job of role-playing. Like, leading up to it, I was really like, to me, my X-Men, fabulous! Yeah. yeah, yeah Jeff you know. was taking it seriously. Like, Jeff and I have talked about this offline. You, oh, yeah. you really were taking it seriously. Are you telling me you didn't do the accent? I didn't. I didn't. There was a few points where I do it. But generally, because I'm nervous and everyone else is, you know, RPG is, it's a little bit, it depends how much everyone else wants to be into it. So there's a few people, generally, everyone else were pretty game uh, role players, but it was, it was a little low key. And it felt a little hard for me to just kind of be like, fabulous. So actually, there's a lot of times where I sort of blurt out fabulous at various points. But it really just sounds <laughs> oh like God. I, be very I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> cannot wait I, to hear I, this. Yes. Jeff, well, I feel like we've talked too much. Say the name of the podcast again and tell everyone the, the name of the episode. Go. Yes, it is Exiled. You can find them at exiledpodcast.com and, of course, in most of your uh, it's on iTunes, it's on uh, Stitcher, it's on a variety of other places. It's the Exiled Free Comic Book Day Special 2017. Ironically enough, uh, Luke is so busy, he actually released the 2017 Gorilla Man 5th Week Special with the regular team of Exiles also. But uh, you'll find us. It's pretty easy. There's a delightful picture of our team with Cha-Cha looking uh, fabulous. Uh, so check it out. Oh, cannot wait. People, <laughs> thank you for listening to us when you could instead be listening to Jeff roleplay 
the dancing Charles Xavier alternate version. Yeah. I, I mean, really, it kind of makes this episode sound like shit in comparison. I'd be perfectly <laughs> We will be back with the Baxter Building next week. Until then, bye! Lovely. Just lovely.